Behind the Schemes with Threes is live. They've got a lot of shtick. That's a fun fucking fact. Game on! Game on! This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> this show is behind the shem shemmers. Yes, it seems. I'm giving you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. Yeah, it's a nasty scheme. You maniac! What is a man? You blew it up! Damn you! A miserable little pile of secrets! Damn you all to hell! What is BTS? When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance of this. Your patience is wearing thin. Shut up. I can handle it. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Oh, God, that hurts. Oh, oh, God, I'm so tired. Oh, God, I, I didn't want to lose her. Oh, God, I, I didn't want to have that pain. Oh, God, no, no. Oh, oh. Oh, you love me so much, don't you? Yes. Oh, God, thank you for what you're making me. You're welcome. Oh, God. I, I see an opportunity here. Yeah, so do I. Oh, God, I see a beautiful wife. Yeah. I, I never dreamed of her. A lot of things you never dreamed of, son. Lots of things you never dreamed of. Oh, you think I can marry her? She's very, very polished. You better get a more polished, son. Hey, God! <laughs> These little children are whole Mars. Oh, this is like the whole world. Oh, I'm so honored to be their daddy. Yeah. Now, you remember who owns them. Make sure they serve me. That's why I gave them to you, son. Oh, 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 God. I see a pulpit. I see a pulpit. God says, uh huh. Now, don't work on you, son. You, you, think, you think I stand here before you tonight sorry that I yielded to God? You, you think I stand here tonight with these, my trusted men, sorry that I yielded? You think I'm, 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 I'm regretting that I yielded to God? You think I'm sorry when I see this crowd here tonight? No, no, no. Oh, oh, God. Keep, keep polishing. Amen. Keep polishing. Keep polishing. Keep polishing. 
All of the things you never dreamed of. It's episode 107 of Behind the Schemes for July 17th, 2022, and fueled entirely by willpower. I'm Booberry Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the heck over here on the Breath Coast, where I wish Providence would clear some of this smoke out of the air, my name is Lavish. And joining us is a super special guest star today. We have Midnight Mike of the Our Big Dumb Mouth podcast joining us today. Hey guys, thanks for having me. How's it going, yeah. Mike? Doing okay. You know, it's, it's a rainy Sunday, so I'm sitting around uh, messing around on the computer, messing with audio and uh, doing a bunch of stuff. And hey, I'm here with you on your podcast, so thanks for having me. How's uh how how are your chickens faring? They're they're drenched, they're wet, and probably pretty frustrated because it was supposed to be a nice day, and they can't be out there picking through the yard. We have free range chickens, whatever that means, but they're not caged up. They can roam around and uh, do whatever they want, and pretty much they hang out underneath the bird feeders, uh, trying to convince the birds and squirrels to give them bird feed. And when they don't get it, they'll come up on our deck and protest uh asking for us to come out to give him more bird seed so it's uh it's just very complicated over here and uh, a lot of animals a lot of a lot of uh, personalities and uh, i'm just trying to negotiate it all it's it's a lot it's like the game of coops or something <laughs> we got yeah it, because we got, our chickens are roaming around here i got a i got a scared dog down here with me because it's thunder I got a cat upstairs that goes crazy and attacks people, and we got a now we have a stray cat outside that's killing our moles that we want. We want the moles killed, so the cat's out there taking care of that. We have a, a, a severe hawk problem. A lot of hawks around here, and then there's coyotes coming in our property. And so every now and again, I got to run out at four a.m. in the morning with my shotgun to scare off coyotes or possums from from them trying to break into the chicken coop. It's it's a lot to work. It's a lot to manage. Is that like firing two blasts into the air, sort of running out with a shotgun? I haven't had a chance to fire two blasts into the air, as our president has suggested many a time, in order to ward off. He, I think he he gave that advice to, to ward off burglars. He didn't yeah. even anticipate a raccoon or possum problem. And then like shooting them in the knee, too, or something crazy. Yeah, he wants you to wound somebody mortally <laughs> so you can torment them while you stand over them. Mm. and taunt them as they die yes sounds like quite the zoo (laughs) it's crazy but uh, it's life and now my wife wants to get baby goats and so we'll probably have baby goats soon oh no see goats kind of freak me out sheep too it's the eyes it's all about the eyes the rectangular eyes yeah these are uh pygmy goats i think is the politically correct way to to say it and they're cute they're small and in addition to all the animal problems that we have around here, we have a poison ivy problem that is just horrendous. For whatever reason, I think that the past few years has just gotten way worse around here. And so we're getting goats to take care of the poison ivy problem. They, they seem to, they love it. They love to eat it. They got to mm-hmm. have it. And so we're buying goats to take care of that problem for us. Delicious. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what uh, buying goats means? Goat Listen milk. to Behind the Schemes if you want me. Dan Gehring, to slaughter a goat. I do make a lot of goat sacrifices. The the goat blood will flow, and things will become very, very (laughs) Satan-y. Yes, we have sacrificed a goat or two on this show, we we have to admit. 
for uh, you know posterity. Well, I, I I mean I would like for them to at least take care of our poison ivy problem first, and then after that we'll talk. Yeah, know, yeah. When it comes to sacrifice, we can get some barbacoa going. Can I ask you about a specific ISO here? I'll blow sure. a goat. Don't judge me. What do you mean when you say I'll blow a goat? Don't judge me. What episodes are from? You know, <laughs> I need to. I need to. I need to know what episode that's from. What year was I drinking? And was there a goat nearby? I uh, I actually I do keep an archive of all of the uh, all of the uh, screenshots of podcasts I listen to. That's how I know to go back and find clips that I want. Okay, so I got it somewhere. It's in the. It's got to be like the three sixty to four hundred range. Well, at that point in time, uh, during that era of the show, because currently for anybody listening, uh, OBDM our big dumb mouth is up to episode one thousand and eighteen. 19 so you're talking about three four hundreds at that point in time we are covering a lot of barn boy news and uh, i've steered away from that kind of news because it, it at this point in my life i don't need any more barn boy news now barn boy news we often see stories of most mostly gentlemen uh getting involved uh with sexual acts with animals it's like disgusting stuff like that you hear these crazy stories and for whatever reason it was an occasional segment on the show. So I'm assuming during the, why well, you have me saying that, um, I was probably referencing and in, in making light, trying to uh, make a, a funny comment about people doing those kind of sexual acts with animals. I'm assuming if I have to come up with some sort of far like some some sort of explanation to justify that thing I said. That would make sense. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that I mean, that's out. how I'd explain it to the judge. <laughs> the source is close to the matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, sweet. We uh, we like to kick our episodes off with a uh, tarot card draw. We do a single tarot card. You have to excuse us. We got our gimp tied up back in the green room, mm-hmm. and uh, that's our. Boost- He's hooked up to the boostagram machine. So anytime somebody sends us a boost, we. Uh, we send, uh, you know, a little something to the gimp. The, uh, the gimp gets it, not car. you guys. Oh, the no, gimp! No, the gimp is no. getting something, all right. Yeah, <laughs> we would be greedy if we were to do that to him. Okay. Uh, we also, well, let's uh, let's do the tarot card, and then we'll we'll talk a little more about uh, what's going down for today from the Line Strider Tarot deck. We have drawn the Five of Wands for today, which just came up fairly recently within maybe the past month uh although i believe it was reversed that time uh mike what's uh what's your general take on tarot what do you think about it i think that uh if you have uh, an outlook that it works it will work it depends on what kind of energy you put into it uh i i, I think the same with astrology i think that the, there is something to that i think there is uh Something with uh, setting your intention on something, putting your focus on it, and what you see in it and what you make of it is uh, is half the battle there. And if you don't believe, it's kind of like uh, if you're already going into a, a situation thinking bad about something, you're going to see all the faults, you're going to see all the problems, and you're not going to be a little, not you're not going to be as open to the situation, and you're going to close yourself off. So when it comes to tarot. Um, 
I like it. I, I, I like the, uh, the idea of it and that it is pulling something out of maybe your higher self, giving you some sort of insight into yourself that you wouldn't otherwise consider. So um, I lean towards, yeah, I like it. It's, uh, it's you know, I don't think it's, it's not, it was Spencer, I believe, that's like, you know, you can't draw a tarot card and, and look for this answer that's going to tell you that you're going to be winning some lottery ticket. It's not like a get out of of your situation for free um, tool. It's, it's really just like a, uh, an avenue for self-reflection. Well, same as therapy. Like you don't go to therapy just once and well, I, and then you're like, Oh, all my personal problems are solved. I don't ever got to go back to therapy again. Or if you go into therapy with a negative outlook, like this person is not going to be able to help me with my personal problems, then you're not going to get much out of it. But if you're open to it, and you're willing to consider what the card means and how that maybe reflects your life or what you're going through at that point in time, then yeah, you might be able to get something out of it. Maybe able to consider something you wouldn't have otherwise done so. Or even manifest it for yourself if you... Sure. You know, it was in me all along. I just needed to, to write <laughs> a arbitrary push. Yeah. Pre- predictive programming for the self. Hmm. Uh, and how synchronistic that, uh, you were talking about all of your, uh, <laughs> animal, uh, politics and conflicts. And, uh, this card, the five of wands shows, uh, two foxes going at it in a maw to maw. What their, does that mean? What that mean? Well, let's, uh, let me hit you with some keywords to frame this. We have conflict, hostility, fight for dominance, fight for work tension and quarrel well in my house that's that that's definitely going on with the animals uh and there's a there's definitely a fight for dominance in the animal kingdom here there's no doubt about that uh human wise no there's no there's no quarrel like that maybe you had since you pulled the car wouldn't that be more applicable to you oh yeah <laughs> potentially <laughs> i didn't pull that card you pulled the card it's uh i we finished loading out of this festival at five o'clock, five thirty this morning. Got to bed probably six thirty. Turned around, woke up at nine to pack two trucks, drive here, and get ready for a motherfucking live show. <laughs> so there's a little bit of conflict. <laughs> Who was who'd you uh, load out? Was that the Hailstorm band? Oh man, it's uh all sorts of them. Actually, I have a little segment kind of prepare uh prepared for it oh um so we'll uh we'll definitely be circling back on that i even got an interview i brought a boots on the ground interview for today very exciting mm-hmm. so the the uh traditional symbol for the five of wands isn't the two foxes though it would be uh five men holding their own wands and brand Ooh, hello speaking of which uh, five men holding all their wands and brandishing them up in the air. So you can take that how you will. Uh, oh, it's like the long stabs, right? Yeah. The wands usually are shown as like stabs or literal sticks. It's kind of uh, any crummy old stick you can pick up off the ground. Uh, but yeah. Usually just means disagreements or, or aggression between a group of people. Something like that. Yeah, or an internal struggle too. There are two foxes inside of you. Always, at least. I'm constantly and internally struggling 
it's a forever thing. I'm never at peace. And that's how you improve. That's how you you forge yourself into something else. Um, yeah, but it, it can also mean like a competition, like a good-natured rivalry, not necessarily a struggle or a, a violence. It can it can be you know a pleasant sort of struggle <laughs> as well. Yeah, I mean, muscle needs to tear in order to become stronger, like the Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yes. Arnold Schwarzenegger tore a lot of muscles over the years to get where he got. That's right. And I got a, a just a brief final message from the Five of Wands. Uh, this page comes from tarotx.net as per usual. If you would like to see this tarot card, it's at the top of our show notes, zososcorner.substack.com. This card encourages you to embrace change and let conflict propel you towards new horizons and bigger goals. Be alert with those who might cause unnecessary tension, division, or even sabotage. The way to overcome this situation is to seek truth, be sincere, and if you handle it perfectly, it will open new paths towards success and prosperity. I'm tired of change. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm no tired of it. No more change. Something has to change. We've got to stop this change. I think there's been enough change lately, and we could just deal with like you know six months of of absolute mundane normalcy. Mm. Actually, like the old Chinese insult: uh, "May you live in interesting times." We do. And we do, unfortunately. They're too interesting for a lot of people. And that's why a lot of people uh, like are, are much more like hesitant to, to leave their house after the lockdown. They found comfort in the monotony of not having to do anything. They actually found the, the comfort of being in a prison and that daily routine. And I'm not immune to it. I, I mean, I live out, you know, outside the city. I rarely leave my, my house or property, uh, maybe you know, a few times a, a week, and just to go down to the park to walk my dog, but to go actually into civilization, with, like a city, I, you know, I don't do that very much. So I'm a shut-in. I'm pretty much a hermit at this point. I think a lot of people are. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think that, that's another, that leads to the fact that a lot of people aren't working. and Yeah. People are just kind of uh, burnt out. But I view it like I've, I've been out enough. You know, I went out a bunch in my early 20s. I was out probably, uh, you take one midnight mic, it probably equates to four to five other people going out because I was playing in bands. I was gallivanting, if you will, at all mm-hmm. hours of the night, drinking God knows what. <laughs> From God, God knows, knows how long. I don't know. And so I did my time. I did my tour. I was out there. I was mixing it up, getting things done. And I had enough. And uh, thank God I live out here. If I, you know, I, I, I don't want to gallivant anymore. I'm tired of all the gallivanting. <laughs> True that. No more gallivanting. And there's nothing I can do about it. I don't like it at all. Is it weird to play clips of yourself back to you? I can stop. <laughs> no, you can do it. It's your show. You can do whatever you want on your show. It's up to me to deal with it or leave. 
savage. <laughs> Pragmatic. <laughs> ah, the glass has water. Uh, very cool. Um, actually, I, mm, we do have to go back to the show notes very briefly because we have a very incredibly exciting announcement. Midnight Mike, you actually provided half of the material to make this work. But ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that we that you can now send in boostograms to get different ISOs. Audio ISOs. Audio ISOs. Mm-hmm. So, so, for- those, so instead of the GIMP, the GIMP sound effect, who's been so rudely interrupting you throughout the this show so far. He often does. Uh, you'll get a different sound effect, correct? That's that's uh, right. That's correct. We've okay. got two gentlemen lined up here. We've got a selection from uh, our favorite Alex Jones, and uh, we also have uh, ISOs from his distant cousin Jim Jones. Oh. Of, the Jones uh, boys. Yes. Yeah, the Jones boys. Jones brothers. It's the Jones tag team attack. Mm-hmm. We were Jonesing for these uh, audio ISOs, so. We've uh, we've got the new boost values set in there. You can go to our show notes and find that. Uh, all of the oh, see, yeah, <laughs> he, he rudely interrupted you. Apparently, the people like hurting the gimp more than they like trying out our new boosts. Uh, mm. But you can find them there. We we've got uh, Gamatra values for all of the phrases, and uh, that just matches the value of whatever boost you send in. You'll hear that quote, whatever quote it is. Uh, you should be hearing it live right now. Yeah, that boosting. let me restart it. It's uh, <laughs> Servo and I busted this out yesterday. <laughs> so you're beta testing live on air. Oh, hell yeah, yep. man. And yeah. well, the GIMP is still there for everyone's uh, torturing pleasures, too. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. We do have. Uh, he loves it, by the way, people. Don't yeah. don't don't be afraid. It's all very, very incredibly consensual. Mm hmm. He signed a, a paperwork and all that. It's 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 there. It's legit. <laughs> there's a waiver <laughs> yeah what are we amateurs no oh my goodness let's uh let me yay oh hey there we go we did it it worked there's it worked one. wow holy shit that was podcasting history <laughs> <laughs> even the gimp is excited <laughs> uh so the way this works you can go over to nudepodcastapps.com uh, if you do a search for a podcast that will do uh, uh, value streaming, get yourself some Satoshis, and then you can you can boost uh, shows that uh, are using the value tag in their RSS feed, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, Please get us the medication. It's simple. It's simple. There's no convulsions with it. It's just simple. Just please get it. Uh, and that's one of our Jim Jones ones. <laughs> you left the full quote in there, didn't you? <laughs> Actually, Sir- Servo was the one that's uh, a Johnny Bunny. <laughs> you don't think this is going to get out of control at all? I love no, it. it. Will it will it will? It's it's total chaos. We have w- this is a a moment. Where the actual deployment of a soundboard has been turned over to the producers. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, this uh, is where I would dis- disagree with you. Like, if I was to run your show, I would say, okay, this is great for five minutes, but it's going to get out of control. 
Yeah, well, well good luck. This is I mean, you're gonna, you, you guys have to deal with it. I don't. <laughs> so, yeah. The uh, yes, this will be fun. The other half of it too is that um, in the chat room, it will display uh, different. Uh, are you familiar with Gematria, Mike? No. So Gematria is taking letters in a word and assigning them a numerical value. But then you, you go through and you tally all of these numbers up and it gets you this uh, this value, this uh, numerical value. And the more and more that you follow these threads through of words that have the same numerical value, you find that a lot of times the themes um, match up. So like a lot of COVID-19 shit, the gematric values for certain words will match. Um, I, I can't think of any specifically but what we did is we took a lot of conspiracy-related phrases, punched them into a Gematria calculator, got a numerical value, and then went through a list of other words or phrases that share that same value, and then set it up so that the chatbot will display one of four to five different secret messages as you're boosting, and it's... um. It, <laughs> we went through and did like a story time with emojis. So there's a little uh, image that kind of scrolls by. It's like a super chat, um, but for IRC. That's cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, Servo, it seems like that. Uh, I keep getting that error again. It keeps crashing for the IRC cacophony. That's the name of the uh, uh, Boostergram uh, multi sound. Uh, Python script that Servo wrote, IRC Cacophony. It's on GitHub if anybody's interested. We do have a couple of boosts I want to get through here uh, and say thank you to. One was from, uh, we actually had two from the Mere Mortals podcast, uh, 666. Through fountain. It is the medication. It's simple. It's simple. There's no convulsions with it. It's just simple. Just please get it. Uh, he said, Tenacious D would be, <laughs> would be awesome to see live. I've been on a kick rediscovering them the last couple of days. And then he sent in another 22,222 uh, sats that said, <laughs> Wow, that Fellowship of Friends episode was wild. You Americans get all the cool cults with fine art and ultra instinct like presents. The ones here in Australia are boring, just sex and money. Lame. If lame. I <laughs> lame. If I join one, I can only hope to someday be humble enough to get tricked by 44 angels or be proud of a world record for insurance fraud. And uh, he's referring to the Fellowship of Friends cult, uh, which is based out of California. And there is a, a current um, lawsuit pending against Google for hiring about a dozen of these cult members who have taken over one of the um, video production suites inside of Google. And uh, oh, it sounds like they're going to have a nice time. Yeah, it's going to be lovely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Typical California stuff. And they made a lot of money on wine, too. Uh, it gets worse and worse. Uh, Pfeiffer came in with 666 sats. He said uh, satin gematria roll. 
He likes the Pfeiffer's likes the uh, Gamatria. He's trying to collect them all. He's got a spreadsheet going of them. Give that little sweetheart a little bit of love. We can give Pfeiffer a little bit of love there. Uh, I see some new names too. Uh, Cristobal underscore Mina sent in. Uh, it was five sets and then six sets and said hello, friends. <laughs> well, hello to you too. <laughs> Uh, Lavish, that was you, 6666. Thank you for playing the Goat Slaughter Boostergram. Oh, shit. I didn't send that to us. I sent that to uh, Value for Value. Yes, uh, Kyron Down, uh, he did an episode, he has a show called Value for Value where he goes through and examines how various podcasts that uh, hover around No Agenda, how they approach the Value for Value model and, uh, he did a twenty. It was like twenty-four minute rundown um, on the on this show. He's done uh, dives into uh, bowl after bowl and no agenda, of course. Uh, it was a fun time. Yeah, he specializes in just kind of focusing on the value for value aspects of the shows, as opposed to their content. Or, I mean, he talks a, a little bit. That's about a really niche podcast. It is. It is. But uh, we thank him for it anyway, and we thank him for. Uh, we're doing an episode on us. It was very kind of him. And uh, he also, yeah, he's from the Mor- Mirrors, Mere Mortals podcast. He threw us in on the value split for value for value. So now I get to be reading boosts from other shows. <laughs> yeah. You're an ad reader now. Hell yeah. Uh, 50 sets from Rudo Luca. Uh, thanks for all. And. Then that gets us into today, uh, live show Gamatria Roll 636 from Pfeiffer. He's looking for more uh, messages. Zapping the wand of the Gimp. Boostergram is love. Boostergram is life. 6969 from Spencer. Thank you, Mr. Spencer. Thank you, Pfeiffer. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll hit the rest of these when we come back from the uh, intermission, just because there's so many of them. Yeah. A lot of them rolling in today. That's good, isn't it? I think so. It is. <laughs> this is the this show is the only uh, form of any sort of retirement plan <laughs> that I have going, period. So it's uh exit strategy all the way. Yes, indubitably. Uh, yeah, we'll be reading off we like to read off all the uh, producer credits uh, after the intermission and uh given just how many boosts we're getting today, I think yeah, we probably We'll save it for that producer segment. Mm, no doubt. And uh, BehindTheSchemes.com, S-C-H-3-M-3-S. That's where we are. Uh, you can support the show by either sending in ISOs, music, clips, stories, artwork, donations. All of it goes to support public radio. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very legal. Do a commercial, you're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore, and uh, end of story. And we got a telephone number, 612 Seven nine nine nine. You can call in, leave a voicemail. You got something to say? Got something to scream? Maybe you have a question for Mike. You can leave it there. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, that number, 612-263-7999. Who did your jingle? That's a nice jingle. That was done by uh, Mary Kate Ultra and Make Heroism. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're a phenomenal couple that stepped up. Uh, Do you want to go ahead and talk about what they did real quick, Lavish? Uh, Sure. Uh, They very kindly approached us and have offered us a sort of a a t-shirt situation. Uh, uh, They've made us a couple of t-shirts that uh, you can now purchase. So uh, Behind the Schemes officially has, uh, I don't know if you call it merch, but we've got merch. We've We've got shirts now. So that was very, very kind of them to do that for us. And uh, you can go and check that out in the show notes at behindtheschemes.threadless.com. And you can see a selection of uh, shirts and graphics that you can get in men's and women's sizes. And uh, I think you even got a couple stickers, magnets. So super cool. Step in the right direction. After all. It's definitely a step in the right direction. (laughs) Yeah. So big, big thanks to... Make Heroism and uh, and Pidgey Cat Mary Kate Ultra for uh, hooking us up with the great jingles and now with great shirts. They they provide an insane amount of value to the show and uh, and we thank them. Yeah, they've uh, sent in a couple of into show mixes, um, songs for intermission, music, yeah, artwork, yeah, all uh, kinds of stuff. It's uh, in Hog Story. They did the uh, phone number jingle for uh, Hog Story Monday nights, the show that we follow on the No Agenda stream. Mm-hmm. Very talented, those kids. Those kids. They're terrific. They're terrific. Terrific. So I'm going to definitely get a shirt, get a magnet for myself, at, at least, to start off. Yeah. Beauty. Beauty, eh? I'm just going to buy a pile of t-shirts and start handing them out at gigs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Very cool, very cool. When was the last time you played in a band? Uh, Played live, like in an official band? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I still write music with my wife every now and again, uh, but it's more of like a side project thing. So the last time I officially played out of the band was 2017 in my Viking metal band called Battleaxe, where uh, we sing about swords, <laughs> dragons, and you know, the Viking lifestyle. And uh, we uh, played, 2000, yeah, 2017 November. That was the last time I did a live show. Um, and it, it just kind of broke up after that, and uh, I moved to Phoenix. And, uh, yeah, I haven't played live since then. To be fair... The live music scene at, at 2020 on has been dead, and only this summer has it really been back. Uh, so, you know, two or three of those years you can chuck away to COVID business. But uh, yeah. I, I'm in a band, and I played last night, and I've played probably every weekend this, this summer. And it's crazy out there how much people want live music. Nuts. I tried to go see some live music uh, about two months ago. Uh, one of my friends were playing down in Columbus. My wife and I were like, hey, let's go down and check them out. We haven't been to a local show in quite a while. And so we uh, we drove about 40 minutes to uh, Columbus. And uh, I was told up front that they, they check your vaccine status before they let you in. No. This, is, mind you, this is like two or three months ago. 
Okay. So awful. And uh, I was like, you know what? I know the band. You know, I'm like, uh, I'm pretty friendly with like a good chunk of the bands. And my my former drummer was going to go. He said, hey, you can use my my Vax card to get in. They're not going to check it. They just want to see if you have a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So he's like, he sent me his Vax card. I have it on my phone. And I go up to the, the door guy. And he's like, hey, I need to see your license, and I, I need to see your Vax card. And I was like, okay, sure. Uh, so I show him my license, and then he, he sees the, the Vax card, which has a totally different name, totally different name, and he looked perplexed. He's like, uh, why does this Vax card not have your, your driver's license name on it? And I just looked at him and was like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> and he's like, I can't let you in, you know, wow. I, can't let, I can't let you in. So me and my wife left. I, I honestly, I should have said the classic naked gun line. Sometimes I go by my maiden name and that may have let me in. But no, uh, we got turned around and had to drive back home. And I, I anticipated it well, that it was going to be a problem. It turned out it was uh, this bar and the bar right across the street. The two major like underground bars where you where you want to play like in kind of like campus, like Ohio State campus, Columbus, where the, the rock scene is, um, the Space Bar and uh, Ace of Cups, uh, they both require a vaccine to see shows. And so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm locked out from checking out local bands and probably even, part- if I, even if I wanted to play, I, I might not be allowed to. A good chunk of my his former friends, I don't know, I haven't seen them. Um, they're all vaccinated, and I doubt they would even want to play in a band with me at this point. The only guy that would, uh, and who I was still doing things with, um, podcasting and, and writing music with and, and, and friendly with, was Spanky. And he's my former co-host on uh, Our Big Dumb Mouth. He started off the, the podcast with me. And uh, during lockdown, we started talking a lot more, but he pa- he passed away last year. And so the only other guy that I could do a band with is uh, is gone. Uh, so I, I suppose my wife and I could put together a band and we could play out maybe somewhere where there isn't a vaccine requirement. Um, but we'll you see. need a fake vax card, man. I shouldn't have to. Um, yeah, I know, I know but I, I, I know. shouldn't have to do that. And if, uh, I, if I, if it came down to it, I probably, I probably wouldn't at this point. I say, listen, I'm not vaccinated. Obviously this shit doesn't work. You guys are still catching COVID. What's the point of checking my card to, to, uh, to make sure that I'm going to catch COVID <laughs> because that's the way it's going to, that's, that's the way it seems now. And so you're checking to see if I have vaccine to see if I have a higher likelihood of catching it. I, I don't get it at this point. Mm-hmm. I do miss playing live. Um, but pretty much my, my time is consumed by, uh, working full time, uh, doing it cybersecurity stuff, uh, podcasting, which is, it does take a significant portion of my, whatever free time I have left. And then, um, helping my wife and, and, and dealing with things around, uh, our property. Some See, tr- it's the gallivanting angle. You're not yeah, gallivanting I, anymore, so you don't need to bullshit and have less, fake less gallivanting, more gardening. And uh, yeah, yeah. My, my wife does like 
85% of it. I just do some heavy lifting here and there and help her out with some projects. And I'm basically her camera person for her show half the time. So she's mm-hmm. got her own YouTube channel, uh, which has dwarfed my podcast in the span of a year. So she was, she has managed to accomplish in one year, <laughs> in one year, what I, what I strive to achieve in 16. <laughs> so, uh, good for her. If I could just be uh, a camera person for her, so be it. Power of video. Maybe it's, yeah. maybe it's one of those things where you collected so much just knowledge and information over the years and the technical know-how that through the sheer force of osmosis, it was transplanted into her and then just something clicked and the, the spell erupted. No, I did everything wrong with podcasts. <laughs> okay, okay. I did everything you could possibly do wrong with YouTube and podcasting. I made every mistake that uh, a creator and uh, a host could do. Um, and uh, while I accumulated, accumulated a lot of technical knowledge, I know how to edit. Uh, I can create good audio. Uh, you know, m- myself and Joe, my co-host in Our Big Dumb Mouth, we both went to school for video editing and, and graphics, so the stuff we produce looks good. Um, it, that's not enough to take your show to the next level. Uh, I made critical mistakes in the content and presentation. Uh, my wife is very focused on what she does with her channel. She talks about gardening. She talks about uh, homesteading. And uh, it's it's more of like a, a blog and how to garden some of the problems that come up with trying to deal with your own property. And uh, to be honest, she's very attractive. That helps out on YouTube. I am you not. Go. I'm classified more as, as a goblin. And <laughs> people don't want to look at goblins. They want to look at uh, hot women who garden. They don't want to look at goblin podcasters who make fun of everything. <laughs> Look at that face. <laughs> yeah. And teach very valuable lessons. I mean, everybody's trying to garden now. It's a, it's a hot trying. topic. There's no, yeah. there's no doubt about that. And she texts, she's not, she's not dumb. She knows sex sells. So her, her thumbnails, you know, you, you see, you see a little skin. You see, uh, she doesn't, she's not overtly sexy in them. She's not like, um, doing some stuff overtly sexual but she's showing like a naked back you can't you would it's crazy the amount of uh shit that gets thrown her way like because she shows her naked back it's just like it's it's stuff the same thing that you'd see like at a pool uh or any beach and she gets hit with so much like hate from i guess the the christian gardeners out there I guess the conservative guess a, gardening pool. I guess there's a you conservative, yeah, there's a conservative conservative gardening guild who don't who don't like attractive uh, ladies gardening, and uh, so she How very unchristian. Yes. We must end this right away. <laughs> the world so doesn't she, need that. He gets a lot of hate. So he so here's my tips for you guys since you guys are kind of uh, starting off uh, podcasting and maybe you you'll you'll start up a channel or something like that. The where I went wrong with podcasting uh, and YouTube initially was not being focused on my content. This this is more applicable to YouTube. So if you start a channel, you want it to be very niche about one thing, and you you hammer that home. 
Um, and so if you're just going to talk about UFOs, just talk about UFOs and paranormal. Don't deviate away and start doing other things. And don't joke. Don't make light of anything until you you damn well know that you're funny. Because if you uh, are trying to gain an audience and they don't understand your personality or your sense of humor, they are going to take it the wrong way and be turned off. Uh, same with podcasting. Uh, to a certain degree, podcasting is longer form, but they most likely, the people who stumble across it are searching for a particular topic, and they want that topic presented to them pretty much in a serious way. Now, if, you, if you're trying to find a, a comedy podcast, that's obviously different, but we, since we talk about a good uh, number of paranormal topics, people like that a little bit more serious. Um, and oh, Our Big Dumb Mouth is more of a personality-driven show where it is the host's who are dominating the content and the, the, the stories we talk about is just kind of la- their launching pads to showcase uh, our, our humor, our interaction and, and joking. And so by me focusing on a personality driven model and talking about anything and everything, I crippled the podcast pretty much 12 years ago by refusing to change what I do. So I have myself to blame. <laughs> so the bottom line is focus. You know, we uh, yeah we we had a well, and the RSS feed is still valid, so it, it still exists. We just haven't done an episode in a long while, but uh, we were doing kind of like a uh, podcast review and this R E V U uh, E type of show, and just would collect a bunch of clips from various shows and use that to kind of spark conversation and whatnot, but. Uh, there was an episode that two of the shows that I brought were Bandrew Says and OBDM. And it was right around the time when y'all were getting the content warning strikes from, you know, episodes a year old at that point. Talking about, uh, I think it was Antarctica. Nazis escaping to Antarctica and something to do with Epstein. Yeah. yeah I mean, so we had episodes out. Um, so Joe and I have been doing the show together since 2013 and Joe appeared on the show. And I started the podcast in like 2006. Um, Joe would call in every now and again throughout those years. But when Joe joined the show, we got, the show got a lot more focused. And in my opinion, got a lot better because it's, we started to bring, we started to talk about the world a lot more. We started to talk about uh, conspiracies a lot more, which is something I would do on the previous show. But I couldn't dive into as much because of the co-hosts. And it's just the nature of the show. It was more uh, of roasting each other, and it wasn't as focused. But we started to focus in on a lot more of these weirder things that were going on, especially Antarctica and a lot of the the head of states that would travel down there. And then Pizzagate kind of started to happen. A lot Mm -hmm. of these rumors about uh, the ruling elite. And what they may be involved in. And we had the audacity to suggest that the people who rule this world probably have a lot of money. And that they probably also have uh, a need for certain uh, type of excitement uh, that is outside the bounds of legality. And so we're, we're speculating that these people who travel down there probably aren't the best of people. And they like to indulge in illegal activity. And they, they started taking down our videos uh, that had already been up for six to seven years. 
and getting getting a strike. So I just I, I had to go through and delete everything and basically only upload things now that are UFO and paranormal focused and some of our wacky news clips that I, that are safe. But we were already blacklisted. They blacklisted us in 2017. We stopped getting recommended. We had massive videos concerning missing 411 uh, UFO topics. We were we were starting to really get an audience there, and then we got kneecapped uh, when we started uploading more things that had to do with the ruling elite. I just it's I hear about experiences with the uh, okay before I before I say this, have you had any issues with Twitch as of yet? Not yet. We've had okay. moderators pop in. Uh, we've had uh, we've had Twitch. I would assume associates, meaning that they're they probably work for Twitch in some capacity, tr- uh, hop in and view us and pop into the chat. Uh, we haven't gotten any strikes. We haven't gotten any warnings thus far. But we are just starting off on Twitch. Mm-hmm. We're very small over there compared to a lot of the other streamers. Uh, so. I, I don't, no problems as of yet. I haven't gotten a, a content strike. Uh, and we have been a little bit more safe in our wording um, when it comes to certain topics. We talk about a lot of different things. I think I'm much more on edge and guarded with how I present things than I was five years ago. I mean, it makes sense. But at the same point, just hearing experiences like yours and uh bandrew uh, the bandrew says uh show he he went and said something that was anti-china and it caught the attention of uh a group known as the um oh god what is it called the 15 cent army 10 cent army i think 10 cent army. army yeah and it's a group of chinese state trolls essentially where they'll you know go and like uh carpet bomb someone's post or video with the uh, comments and just um yeah they got a building full of shills literally yeah. uh working for him yeah so the that that group he thinks you know he didn't have a ton of evidence there was a couple of things that lent to this uh hypothesis of his but uh yeah. i believe it i mean but our our show is not like anti we don't harp on anything too much and we throw it in enough goofiness uh, that it's it's really hard to take it serious. Honestly, the, the show is much more about having fun with the darker topics mm-hmm. and uh, trying to make light of everything. And now I, we just got a review the other day, like on iTunes, saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe these guys are making fun of Alex Jones. How dare they? How dare they make fun of Alex Jones?" It's, it's like listen to the show. For three episodes, you'll realize that we make fun of everything, including ourselves. I mean, I have no business hosting and reading articles on the show. I can barely read. I probably have some form of dyslexia. I have no business being a co-host or even a host of the show. But uh, that's it. I'm doing it. Uh, and so that that's just the way it is. And if people don't understand that, yeah, we do uh, mock Alex Jones at times. We're not. We're not calling him evil. We're not calling him wrong. He. We mock him in the same way that we mock our friends, and we we use Alex Jones clips the same way we use uh, Sam Tripoli clips. Is that we like them? I love Sam. 
He's like a, he's like a, I, I would consider him like a, almost a friend. He's like one of the only guys that I talk to on a regular basis. Um, and so yeah, I use Sam clips because I, I love him. I use Alex Jones clips because I think he's a brilliant broadcaster. And if we use things out of context, well, we do it on purpose to elicit a chuckle, uh, a laugh. And you know what? Alex Jones has been right about a lot of things in the past. And if we can't make light of some of these darker topics or make light of people who people uh, of these broadcasters that they hold dear, then don't idolize them. Your idols will they'll only disappoint you. <laughs> Surely. Uh, and I, I mean, you got to who in their right mind doesn't want to poke fun of Alex Jones, at least a little bit. I mean, he's hilarious without trying to be a lot of the time. And that's what makes it great. Like Alex Jones, in my opinion, is at his worst when he's on other people's shows. He's he is trying to be who he naturally is on his own show. And oftentimes people will recommend uh clips for us to play where Alex Jones is on somebody else's podcast. It's like, oh, you'll you gotta check out Alex Jones getting drunk over over here. He's saying wacky things over on this guy's podcast. Like, I don't want it. That's now that's Alex Jones out of his natural habitat. Uh, I don't want that. I want to see. I want to see the animal in its natural habitat. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see it in a zoo where it's like put there on stage to perform. No, no, no. Alex Jones is great and perfect on his own show, <laughs> just the way the demiurge intended. <laughs> yes. Funny enough, the uh, I don't have many uh, AJ clips, but the the one that I really like came from the. Um, Oh, what the hell is that dude's name? Uh, Adam Curry was on it. He just moved to Michael Malice. Michael Malice. Yeah, he's yeah. the anarchist. Yeah. I'm this card in the tarot deck that is conspiracy. Uh, I thought that one was uh, pretty fun. Couldn't pass by it. Dude, this is my favorite one over here. Land of the free home of the brave, state police nationwide. Pull you over, put your wife on the hood, put a glove on, and just start ramming. See, that's... <laughs> Classic Alec Jones from 2013 on his own show, not trying to perform for somebody in. in the room. He's just performing for the, the camera, which is, that's great. I like that. Well, the, uh, that comments about not meeting your, uh, heroes, it, it sparked, uh, an experience that I had, uh, over the weekend. Uh, I spent from Wednesday until about, 10 o'clock this morning, 10.30, in uh, Cadeau, Wisconsin, for Rockfest, which was a three-day, four-day festival. And uh, it was it was pretty cool. Um, we had a ton of fucking bands come through. And um, if anybody wants to see pictures, I've got a mega folder uh, that I threw together. I'll drop that one in the chat so you can check out some of the... Um, Backstage photos and show productions and front of house and whatnot. There was some neat stuff in there. But, uh, Mike, what do you think about Shinedown? What's your overall take on that band? I don't know a lot about them. Good. And uh, to be honest, I probably, I know they're more aligned to the, the new metal genre of music. Uh, they came to popularity in with the early 2000s, and they've, uh, they've had some bigger songs. So uh, I don't know a lot about them. I probably would be a lot harsher on them 15 to 20 years ago than I am now. Like, I respect anybody who's ma managed to squeak out a living 
in a career out of playing live. Like that is respectable to me, no matter how awful the music, if they can put up with the lifestyle and yeah. uh, manage to get at some songs in the radio, it is a monumental feat. And, and to have draw people, people follow you and yeah, an audience and all that. That's tough. It's, yeah, it is extremely tough. I got friends that are still out there touring and uh, they've been doing it for 15 years and they can draw, you know, 200 people at a club uh, at any given city, but that's after 15 years of touring and those guys are fucking road warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I so to to be at the level of shine down and I don't know I know they've had some po- I, I bet if you played one of the songs I would recognize it. Um so I don't I don't have any positive or ill will towards them. They were by far the A, douchiest crew and B, douchiest band of the entire weekend. <laughs> These I'll, guys I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. I, dick yeah. holes. And I will explain that to you. But uh, first, here's some uh, highlights from bands that were there. Disturbed headlined the first night. Evanescence was the headliner for the second night. And... Uh, Shine Down wrapped up the concert. Other opening bands was a uh, uh, newly reunited Mudvayne. Uh, that, that was a big one. That's a big yeah. Uh, reunion. Yeah, I I knew very little about the band, but uh, it was a cool show. They they went out and they hit it hard. Uh, I'm definitely Good. I'm I'm intrigued. Uh, they definitely like, have a nice little fan base. I'm, I'm looking at Shine Down right now. I'm looking at their pictures. Yeah, they look like douchebags. I'm sorry, but. uh lamb of god which i'm not i cannot as much as i would like to i cannot get into lamb of god they got some hardcore fans my my little brother clown baby he loves lamb of god yeah i get the i you know i totally dig the the respect um and you know even uh randy blythe he dedicated a song to dave brocky of uh guar dedicated a song to him he's still doing it Six years later now. It's like, wow, that's fucking... That's cool. Um, Some of the other smaller bands, we had the Pretty Reckless, Theory of a Dead Man, Skillet. They put Skillet on the, like, the tiny stage at the top of the hill. It was kind of weird. See, even Theory of the Dead Man, they draw. Like, uh, like they had some hits in the early 2000s. It, I guess they're kind of new metal-ish, but they draw. Like, if they played Columbus, they would draw. Mm-hmm. I think Co- Columbus, Ohio, for whatever reason is a, a big new metal market. Interesting. Interesting. I don't uh, want it to be that way, but it is. We got Rock on the Range here, which is a huge kind of like metal, new metal kind of uh, festival. Uh, there was this other dude by the name of Jelly Roll. Not familiar with this guy, but as far as total audience interaction and reaction, this guy, he took the cake. Really? Yeah, I don't. He's like a country rock rapper. Mm. Mm. I what the people want, and I yeah. think he might be like a TikToker sort of, uh, maybe SoundCloud. He <laughs> he looks like he ate Post Malone. And if you look up Jelly Roll, singer, he looks like a Jelly Roll. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, but he okay. looks like, he looks like Post Malone too. So, <laughs> mm. um, Jelly Roll is kind of a lewd. Old timey term. Oh, what do you mean? A jelly roll uh, in the old classic rock circles uh, used to mean uh, you know lady parts. 
Oh. And uh, you see that, in fact, I think Van Morrison has a has a song. I forget which one of it, but he, he references Jelly Roll. And, yeah, it's it's kind of an old-timey term. Hmm. Tasty. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, was, he, was Jelly Roll a douchebag? Jelly Roll was really cool. He actually he had a guitar player that had to be 17. Mm. I mean, he was a kid. Um, but uh, he seemed really, really chill. Uh, he was hanging out watching Mudvayne on one of the uh, patio uh, green room lawn chairs that was out backstage. And he's like, yeah, I'd sit here and fucking smoke weed and watch Mudvayne. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Warrant was there. Hatebreed was there. Fuck. Warrant, obviously not with Janie Lane. Correct. I don't remember this gentleman's name. He does a pretty good job. I actually, I just saw them fucking two and a half weeks ago. They were at another festival that we were working. And so when I was when I was living in Phoenix, uh, my wife befriended uh, a woman there who just so happened to be dating the new guitar player for Rat. And this, the, he was a young kid, 23, playing with the original singer of Rat and the original bass player. And so we went out to dinner with him, and I was talking, you know, tech with him, talking about gear. And he's like, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of us that uh, will go down and play. There's like, a, there's like a club like in Scottsdale where uh, the, all the old glam rock kind of hair metal bands would, would hang out, all the old players. And Warrant would come in there all the time and play. So it's like a lot of the Warrant guys and then the the new singer. And uh, they would just get up and, and jam together. And uh, he said he would go out on tour with uh, Warrant sometimes, um, go do a bunch of rat shows, and then also uh, sometimes fill in for, I forget the guitar player's name for uh, uh, Megadeth, but he'd go out and tour with him. Oh, so there's like... Dave Mustaine or... Um... No, the other one. Uh, oh, okay. I forget his name off the top of my head, but there's like this this Phoenix, like Arizona scene of metal guys, and he was part of it. And I was like, wow, Warrant is still playing? And he's like, oh, yeah, they play all, all over and uh, got a new singer and they sound great. Mm-hmm. I would I would concur. And they sound good? Yeah, especially with the, the venue that they were playing at this past weekend. It was a lot tighter, so people were pushed up more on the stage, and there was a lot more people there. So um, they were. Definitely getting the uh, audience participation that they were looking for. Uh, Did did they play uh, Heaven Isn't Too Far Away? Because that's the song that everyone sings. Yeah, they did that. I saw Red, uh, Down Boys, Uncle Tom's Tom's Cabin, uh, Cherry Pie, of course. Can't forget that one. Don't I have a Cherry Pie boost somewhere? Thought I had. Hmm. Have to look. Uh, Firehouse was there. Uh, Firehouse, yes. Yeah. Don't treat me bad. I know, I know, I know. Firehouse, yes, of course. Mm. John Five, John Five was there, and I didn't see heads or tails of him. Period. It was so poorly unadvertised that John Five was playing somewhere on the property. <laughs> John Five, that's uh, what Marilyn Manson guitar player. Yeah, Rob Zombie. Oh, Rob Zombie guitar player. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah I- don't know that. So the uh, all I was going to say about Hatebreed, fuck their backdrop. Hatebreed's backdrop, they got all this tie line or string. It's been so chewed up and mangled that all of the innards of the rope core have frayed. 
and it gets caught on this Velcro, which then somehow attracts giant wood flake splinters. <laughs> and you're trying to ch- tie this backdrop up, and the whole thing is just exploded into this frayed cord. Get a new, get new fucking tie line, Hatebreed. Jesus. Saw Hatebreed a few times in my day. I always, I always liked them, especially back in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. They, they were like the you know, uh, hardcore metal band, uh, metalcore band to, to see. And, uh, I always thought that Jamie Johnson, the lead singer was a pretty solid guy. I always liked his, uh, his take on headbangers ball. And, uh, he was like one of the, the few labels, like my other band in uh, the early two thousands when I was playing in a band called 1.3, we, we you know, you, you make a demo and, uh, you send it out to all these labels hoping to get noticed. And he's one of the few people that picked up a phone and, called me personally and i had uh several conversations with him over the phone about getting uh, getting us to re-record that demo uh on his label and we're like okay let's make it happen let's do this jamie let's get signed because this is what every every young kid wants is to be signed to a label especially to a label by a band who you really respect and like and he said I'll tell you what, I'm going to go talk to my uh, other label people, and I'm going to see what they think, and uh, we should get this rolling. Never heard from him again. Damn. <laughs> Never heard from him again. And, uh, you know, it was, it was like two or three conversations, and apparently the, the other people at the label didn't like us as much as he did. Give me that phone number. We'll call him live on the air right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, know, but it was like, it was one of those things where uh, it was so close, you could almost taste it. You know, it's like we were probably, in my mind, six months away from, you know, re recording it and going out on tour. And uh, there's quite, it's quite possible I'd, I'd probably be uh, dead or still on tour. Those are the only two options that, because that, uh, something like that would, uh, really define your life at that. And I'm the kind of guy that sticks with something until it breaks. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm still doing the podcast after I, I, well, 16 years. Um, so I really stick with something. And uh, had I got signed, yeah, I probably would would have stuck with it. Yeah, definitely, definitely feel that when I was torn consistently for about eight years. The only reason I came home and started doing something different was because everything shut down, <laughs> got fired from a job. <laughs> it's, it's a rough life, man. Uh, the, the times that we would go out and play, um, like I'm not built for it. There are people who are built for the road and that can take it and deal with the bad sleep and the bad, the bad food and that lifestyle. Uh, I could do it for a little bit but it caught up with me it did like i i'm just not built for going out on the road like that um and so i was like you know what uh, i can't do it anymore and so my bass player got he joined another band and i started the podcast and so so i i started to focus on the podcast uh more and he started to focus on his other band and he's still touring he's still doing it he's in a band called low pan uh, and they, they put out several records and, uh, play a lot of stoner rock, uh, shows. So they went out on tour with I Hate God and, uh, Corrosion oh, wow. of Conformity. Oh, shit. And we're, uh, so, we're from that same area, Corrosion of Conformity and myself, Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. 
Yeah, so they're really good friends with the uh, corrosion of conformity. They're really good friends with uh, uh, who's the oh uh, crowbar. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that kind of scene, like so they they play in that scene. They always play with like a band called Sasquatch and uh, uh, some of the old uh, Caius guys. So it was like the Stoner Rock scene. And when they come around, I I'll, I see them, and I try to go out and see them every now and again. It's just kind of weird. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the same uh, with the. I just one of the girls that I was working with here in town hadn't seen her since 2020, and I kind of got back into doing work and uh, was catching up with people, seeing where everybody ended up, and she fucked off and got a tour with Paul McCartney in Europe. I think. Wow. Yeah. As a rigger. <coughs> That, that is me. like one of like even though like my band never got big, but you're always like when you play locally, you always get to know the sound guys, you, you get to know the other bands, and you, you kind of find your scene. And I just by coincidence, like in the early 2000s, you know, that's where I met uh, Spanky, my one of my co-hosts, and uh, our uh, it, mutual friend Brian, who was the sound guy for us and our engineer. But also worked at a larger, like a lot of larger venues, like uh, in town here, uh, Promo West and uh, the Newport is a huge old venue here. And so he would host a lot of bands. Uh, And occasionally, you know, he would have to play host to bands. And so he would tell me stories about interacting with Danzig. And uh, recently, it's like, uh, you know, a few years ago, he had Doyle and, and Danzig in his car. And so they were taking Doyle and Danzig to their hotel. And Samaka said, I tell you what, Danzig, cool guy. He couldn't have been nicer. And Doyle, super respectful and, and nice. They were super gracious about everything that we were doing for him. Because sometimes you hear nightmare stories about uh, Danzig being a prima donna, like the stage is too cold or this, that. Uh, but that's not the interactions that, that I heard. I heard he was really nice. Um, and then occasionally you would, uh, you would run into these weird, uh, rockers. Like I remember one night I was shooting pool and, uh, one of my friends walked in and said, Hey, do you want to shoot pool with, uh, uh, Dean Ween? I was like, I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I don't know how to shoot pool, but you do. Will you want to shoot pool with them? And I was like, fuck yeah. And so I think. Dean Wee is a guitar player, right? I think. Um, whoever the guitar player is, I think it's either Gene, it's Gene or Dean. I, I mean, I have fifty percent chance of getting it right. But he was on tour with the Moist Boys, and so I just sat around and shot pool uh, with Ween for a while, and it was a very bizarre, low key interaction. You can tell he didn't want to talk about music. He didn't want to talk about anything. He just wanted to shoot pool and drink a beer, and relax. That's all he wanted. And so I had a million questions about Ween I didn't ask. <laughs> it's that, uh, oh, there's a word for it when you uh, practice the uh, the art of not giving in. Yeah. Yes. Uh, do you have a drum roll ISO by chance? I got like a, a timpani. Uh, I would like to announce first the coolest crew from Rockfest this past week. Then we'll announce the best band 
of the week, which, Mike, you probably are already aware of this. But let's go ahead and hit that crew. Hit me with the timpani, timpani, por favor. I got, I got this. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> and they had half the band that day. <laughs> uh, the coolest crew by far was the Mudvayne crew. That's the type of group of guys. I'm like, yeah, we could we could go out, we could have a good time, we could tear it up, we could uh, really show this show who's boss. Dimmer Tech, cool guy, a little disorganized in the way uh, his floor package of lighting fixtures was laid out. I'm of the mindset if it's going on the ground, it's going to have like three inches of fucking e tape around it. So it doesn't like splay in all sorts of weird directions as you're trying to coil these, you know, 16 cables that have been taped together to make a loom. Uh, but the lighting designer was was cool. Um, most of the other like the deck guys, they were really cool. And uh, yeah, I hope to run into them. And the best band, if we can have that roll again, I got another roll for you. Here we go. By mm-hmm. far. Oh my. Rockfest 2022. The best band was Hailstorm. Wow, Hailstorm. Yep. Without a doubt, those guys ripped it. They had great audience participation. Everything was snappy. Uh, there wasn't any backing tracks or anything that they were playing to. It was all them. Straight to guitar, straight to fucking bass, straight to drums. Uh, they sounded great. The set for the band, uh, it had a, it's a very like, uh, very much of a kiss vibe with the big bombastic stairs that go up towards the drum kit with, with all the lights in them that are pixel maps so they can do different washes across the front of the stage and what, whatnot. And, uh, yeah, they look great. The lighting was a little stroby for my taste. I found that most of these bands, these metal bands, all they want to do is fucking strobe all of the moving lights at all times. Uh, Awful. It it just, it gets a little obnoxious. Awful. But, uh, Mm. Hellstorm, I would, uh, that's, that was out of everybody I saw this week. Disturbed was kind of meh. Lamb of God, meh. Uh, Hellstorm is the one that I would buy tickets to go see him again. Um, I'm totally unfamiliar with them. Uh, I I will check them out. I have to be told that there's new music, else I wouldn't know. And uh, they've been around since, uh, I think they really broke it in 2012. Um, I'm not sure how many albums that they've had come out. But uh see how we're doing on timing. Oh, I should uh, wrap this up. Shine Down. Motherfuckers showed up an hour late for the load-in uh, due to circumstances that they couldn't help. But uh, as soon as they stepped off the bus, um, a couple of the dudes just had to flop their dicks straight onto the stage floor. And it was just a fucking whole day of condescending, trying to get little man babies to consolidate their fucking cases directly off stage so that we could fit... I don't know, six other fucking bands on stage right with all their goddamn power distros and fucking cable 
But you want to be pissy because, Ooh, I need my piano box to come out because it's got to go for the loadout. Oh, we're the last band, too. I mean, just they were just very unpleasant. I And it was not the whole crew, but the people that were... Uh, Are you judging the band by their crew? I haven't even got to the fucking band yet. <laughs> Uh, as far as that band is fucking concerned, they already, uh, just based off of some conversations I was having with the stage manager that was on our side, uh, that was managing the actual venue, he just, he, he had plenty of stories that, uh, they had the rock and roller attitude that we are the stars and everything's going to be about us. And, uh, you know, you got so many bands coming through with all this production, like, you kind of have to give a little, take a little, and all they wanted to do was take. Uh, and holy shit, Shinedown, it's like being stuck in a closet with a frat bro who's got a lot of cocaine, and he's like the one type of person that you don't want to be around when they're doing a lot of cocaine. And they're, everything is just so... <sighs> I was reading into them. They, they, he was actually picked out by Atlantic and they groomed him from this other band. And then they kind of built shine down around him mm-hmm. and they gave him a lot of uh, lessons and songwriting and sh- shit like that. Mm-hmm. But every a label creation, if I remember, he does have an okay voice. Like there's not, I don't have anything against his voice. Uh, I just, um, I, I didn't they get big off like a cover song. That's what I remember. Uh, simple man. Simple man, yep, yep. yep. And okay, they, they did that other one, staring down the barrel of a forty-five, forty-five. Terrible singer. Uh, <laughs> but uh, after the, every song that they played, felt like it was their encore. If that makes any sense, they had the oh, you know, every song had the big bombastic. You know, it goes on for fucking forty-five seconds. And immediately following the first song, lead singer bro says, we can't hear you, and repeated it three fucking times. And then he said, uh, maybe he had monitor problems. That's why he couldn't hear anything. Yeah, it was a general gripe, a genuine gripe. He was talking about about the the sound guy. Yeah. Turn turn the the monitor sound guy. Yeah. Every bit of his choreography was... Uh, he just rehearsed to, and they opened the show, which I don't have a problem with choreography, but it's one of those things that you're, you have to go and watch a live performance from this current tour. The planet zero actually is the name of this album that just came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, he did look somewhat panicked when he asked the crowd who here was aware that they had dropped a new album last week and got zero response from the audience. Never asked that question. Yeah. Uh, they're down. They're there to see simple man. Yeah. That, that's what they're there for. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> he, they definitely, they tried really hard to fucking work the crowd. I mean, they even got to the point where they took a, one of those over the shoulder video cameras, a very expensive model and like he took it out of the camera off's hand and fucking like pulled the dude on stage and told him to walk around and, and film them and the and the audience to make it more exciting and like you know you're dealing with all this 
fiber line on stage and you got band members running around and like you're sending these crew members out onto a you know one of the um star platforms or the the uh the ramps that go into the house right now i want to see this what's this rock festival called because i'm gonna watch this tonight when i go to sleep but what, what's the f- rock it's probably fest. online right rock fest it's called rock fest okay yeah yep That's simple and uh, Wait, what's name? i forgot the name what's the name of it rock fest <laughs> you just said it was simple That's awesome. <laughs> somebody got paid to come up with that name yeah. what are we going to call this rock festival well it's been fifty thousand dollars and brainstorm the idea <laughs> it's, it started like they learned it's it's all farmland out there and they just took this uh parcel and converted it into a, a fucking outdoor uh arena or not arena uh they woodstocked it yeah um i gotta get back to my notes there was so much uh oh and then their whole intro to the video was you know, everything's going great. We're going to get ready to conquer the world. And then boom, they spend five minutes playing this, uh, horror porn of COVID-19 with the gas mask. And it's the pandemic and everything's on fire. Seriously. And people are dying. Oh yeah. Oh what the yeah. fuck's that about dude. And I, uh, I was uploading fucking videos last night. So I, I did not record it and honestly, fuck them. But it, and then 2021 in this video rolls up and they're back on tour and everybody's happy and they're so excited to be doing what they're doing. Even though just the year pre- previously there was gas mask everywhere. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was. So the video is all about them. Mm hmm. The, their, their intro video was a narcissistic tribute to how they couldn't tour and now they can. Be- be back out on tour and people are happy again yes mm-hmm. holy shit yeah dude and this was a uh, five six minutes uh my god yeah man ego stroking not only are they talking about how they're you know this newest album is a uh, number one on the billboards but they take time to fucking talk about their number one hit from t- 10 12 years ago I haven't heard a band talk about all their number ones since I don't even know it ever. Jesus Christ. Now I want to find out more about this band. And now I'm going to find some interviews uh, with them uh, just so I can find ISOs. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, I'm trying to remember if there was anything else. Oh, they ripped off the Zozo. Uh, I just dropped a link to that picture. It's part of their video uh design there's a it's a z with an o in the middle of it and they you think Bluebeard? do you think that they were vaccinated or not uh yes and out of all of the bands um hailstorm and uh god damn it who was it It was uh black veil brides and theory of a dead man those were the uber uber masked crews everybody was in the fucking mask Oh, from the, okay. from the roadside at least. Okay, I mean that's a good observation. Good observation. The help they yeah. have the help masks. Yeah, but you know it's coming down. It's coming off. It's coming down. It's coming off. It's under the nose. It's back up. You know it's coming down. Smoke a cigarette. It's back up. Like do a line. Put the back. Yeah. Do an so Maxi Booby, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm actually making a list of the non mainstream narrative bands, and I've I only have three so far that are not like on board with that. Warrant. 
uh, weren't okay. I'm gonna add them to the list. He he had he had a tell. He was he was bitching about getting shut down and uh, how you know not. This is a paraphrase, uh, but you know how there was no right to do that, no right to take you know people's livelihood because bands like Warrant they fucking they go out on the road and they make money. Chris Vox of fucking Hairball, yeah, you know. So here's my list. I'm going to add Warrant to it. But the ones I have so far, High and Fire, they're not yep. on board. Yep. War, not on board. Mm. Uh, and Killing Joke, not on board. Oh, and... Uh, Killing Joke, yeah, yeah. Dave Mustaine. Oh, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Obvious. So how did I miss that? Jesus He's, Christ, Megadeth. He okay. might, there might even be an interview with him about it, or an onstage thing. Um, and I, I'm not including Ted Nugent because he's more of a personality than a rocker anymore. Right. What about Clapton? Hey, good call. Eric Clapton. Van Morrison. Van Morrison. Great call. Mm-hmm. Even though yep. I don't, I'm not like a big fan of Clapton. Yeah. No, but he's, uh, you know, he's Clapton, so. Yeah, he is Clapton. But oh, he yeah. definitely has, a, he has a, the funniest fact story of all, really, how he, he rejected it, and then he didn't want it, he was afraid of it, and then his family talked him into getting it, and then as soon as he got the facts. It put him on his ass for six weeks, and he wasn't able to tour. That and, Van uh, Morrison? Uh, Clapton. Clapton. Oh, Clapton. Oh, yeah, yeah, Clapton. Yeah, it's unfortunate. He's a he's a Columbus guy sometimes, because I think he married uh, someone from around here. Every now and again, there are Clapton sightings around Columbus. <laughs> nice. Hmm. I've never seen him. He, 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 there's like a, uh, there's a, a breakfast house in downtown Columbus called First Watch. Um... That's where you can find him sometimes when he's in Columbus. I, mean, I wouldn't mind. I've seen him once, and he, he definitely doesn't jam like he used to. He's he's Mr. Slowhand now, but, mm. you know, you see him to see him or whatever. Yeah. You guys got any more of uh, bands for the list? I'm sorry, Boobier. I really cut off your story there. I know Teenage Bottle Rock, or uh, is that the name? Yeah, Teenage Bottle Rockets is not on that list because they played a show where the promoter was trying to charge people $999 if they didn't have proof of vaccination. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would just pay it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I really got to see Teenage Bottle I got, Rockets. I need to see them tonight. <laughs> oh, God. Best uh, band ever. I'll, uh, let me think about it, Mike. I, I might have some... Uh... Oh, um... He, you know, it's a it's a, a, a unfortunate position, but the drummer of the Offspring was canned. He was, but yep. it's not the. I'm looking for the band. whole band. The whole yeah, band, yeah. like uh, as a collective that will say, "Nah, we're not buying into it." Because I mean, we're talking about cultural oh, forces. Oh my god! Uh, Aftermath. I don't know who that is. Aftermath is a thrash metal band. Out of Chicago, we actually had him on the show. To we had the singer Charlie on the show. Uh, I mean, they're they're not the most famous band in the world, and they don't have a lot of records or anything. But they're they're an influential thrash metal band out of Chicago, and they they're they're particularly famous because they kind of won a lawsuit against uh, Dr. Dre and oh, wow. uh, Jimmy Iovine of Interscope Records because Dr. Dre's label is called Aftermath. Of course, yeah. So. They they had a, a spat there, and they actually didn't didn't do too bad considering who they were going up against. Yeah, and they had a whole uh, New World Order concept album, Police State Takeover, uh, Mark of the Beast sort of chip type album. 
Uh, that was their last release. They're working on a second one. Should be coming out uh, probably within the next couple of months. Yes, quite based. Mm-hmm. And that guy can talk. Holy shit. <laughs> you pop that can, you're going. <laughs> and going. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Shout out to Charlie. Yeah, that's awesome. Hope he's well. Um. Yeah. Oh, do you all want to hear what uh what the concussion box sounds like? Well, I hate to cut you off here. I did say I'm gonna have to put my chickens away, and that time is right now. Oh. So I'll be back in like five to ten minutes. Sorry, guys, but my chickens are oh, calling sorry. me, and so I'll be back as soon as I can. Okay. We'll throw on intermission right now. Does that work for yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. Let's cut to intermission. That yeah. Sounds like perfect time. Anyway. Eleven minutes. And we'll be back, everybody. We're here with Midnight Mike of the Our Big Dumb Mouth Podcast. Yeah. And Lavish made this intermission for your listening pleasure. Yeah, so send your complaints to lavishbehindtheschemes.com. Please. Do it.
now return to Behind the Schemes. Starring Uberry, 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 Uberry. And lavish. Welcome back to second second half of show behind the schemes for July seventeenth, twenty twenty two. Yes, indeed, it is July seventeenth, twenty twenty two. It is currently about four o'clock p.m. here on the Pacific Coast, which means it's about six p.m. over there in the Central Coast, and then uh, I don't know seven p.m. ish around the the Eastern Coast, the Eastern Seaboard. Oh, nice. Uh, according to experts. <laughs> According to those who may or may not know about expertise on a, this may or may not subject. So, yes. And the sun. But, you know, the sun's fake. Space is fake. Does not check out. Does not pass go. Does not, does collect, not, does not collect $200. Never seen $200 in its life. Which it's is also fake. Oh, hello. oh, right on. Perfect timing. Yes, indubitably. Excellent. Oh, my. Well, this it is uh, the second second half a show, which means I think it's time to thank some freaks of hazards uh, who we lovingly call our producers. Real quick, can I? I before we went to break, I was going to play a snippet of uh, of what a concussion box sounds like um, before Mike had to go check in on his chickens. Okay. Uh. Actually, let me get it queued up, and we'll we'll hit it after uh, the freeze. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, well, on the list uh, of uh, freaks today of producers of the show, and again, we're a value for value production, which means that we don't do ads, we don't do any corporate sponsorship of any kind, for fear that they might stifle us, or uh, we'd have to read some really awful uh, promotion of some kind. We just uh, we rely on the support of listeners and producers, uh, and if you if you. Give us any of that value. Well, you're a producer, and it's as simple as that. And uh, as for financial contributions, we got one from Coffee Von Dustbubble. She sent in, or he sent in, he or she sent in, they sent in a donation uh, of $3.33. Yes. So thank you. Thank you, Coffee. And Coffee I was... I believe that's a recurring donation. Yes, and uh, Coffee was actually here for uh, last Monday when we had Techno Destructo, aka Hunter Jackson, uh, one of the or- originators of Guaron. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. pretty cool that she was here to produce both of these episodes. Yeah, really appreciate it, Coffee. Yes, and I didn't get a chance. That's chan- really nice. I didn't get a chance to add it in uh, because it came in during the show. But Sharky Shark is back. With a big old boob for us with $80 and eight cents. Oh, Sharky. Oh, my. Thank you. I want to get in that. Mm, just one boob is all it takes. I want to motorboat that singular boob. Booberry yep. and Lavish uh, just uh, motorboating a bunch of boobies. If it's just one boob, isn't it like a paddling? <laughs> I'm going to paddle that. I'm going to kayak that boob. Yeah, it's a nasty scheme. <laughs> Can't quite get that motor going, but, you know. I'm going to sailboat that boob. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Sharky. You don't want to fall out of that motorboat, because the Sharky will get you. Do-do. Do-do. And, uh, of course, I would like to thank uh, Servo, Make Heroism, and uh, Mary-Kate Ultra 
for all of the work that they put in this week. It's very much appreciated. And uh, one other person that I would like to thank is Midnight Mike uh, for not only taking the time to hang out with us, uh, but for also uh, supplying those ISOs for the uh, uh, IRC cacophony. Yes. You don't got to thank me. Thank you. Thank you for supporting my show. Oh, hell yeah, man. It's uh, quite honestly, no agenda, OBDM. They're they're right there, pillars of the week. Those are the, those are like how I know a <laughs> where I am in the week, and b they are the two shows that people should listen to if they want to learn how to not only approach a podcast but how to uh, I guess maintain the technical quality of the of the production. Yes. Okay. Most shows out there, as you well know, Mike, uh, they, they don't sound so great, uh, you know, because there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's millions of them, but sound quality, it's few and far between. Gotta, it's you gotta keep it's, it's a learned thing. You know, yeah, it's, it's uh, a trade, really. You just, if you care about it, you'll just keep doing it over and over again until you get it right. Mm-hmm. Or if you work for the Biden administration, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you just keep leaving fucking laptops everywhere. <laughs> yeah, everyone's different. Everyone well, I just, approach. Even the you know, just the sound quality of speeches and stuff that they put through. It's like, man, who do they hire to do this? It's really amazing with the the varied quality. Is that's one thing about uh, Trump's administration? You always had good, clear sound bites of him, mm-hmm. and it, it it did seem like there was there was proper miking technique. Maybe it was because. Trump is a loud guy and that he, he, he enunciated and he was always kind of a little bit more vocal and uh, Biden's a little muffly. He's uh, he doesn't have that energy. Oh, well, that's very true. But I think it goes deeper than that. I think that they wanted all the best gear on Trump so that they could pull clips from him and, and beat him to death uh, on the news every night. Whereas with Biden, they don't they want you to ignore him. So they're going to put in the crappiest microphone. So you don't even want to listen to the guy. I, I agree. I, I, I've had to do way more uh, compression, normalization, and EQing with Biden than I ever had to do with Trump or Obama. Uh, mm-hmm. it, uh, it's, it's quite remarkable. Like, like the, either the, the quality, like whatever AV people they had, they rotated out and they have new ones in that are just incompetent or they're doing it on purpose because they don't really want people to hear clear audio of Biden. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably your take, right? Yeah, either that or or it's a bidding process, and and they really just went with the low bid <laughs> because they're losers. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and Trump was like, I don't want the lowest bid. I want to, you know, whatever. Yeah, it could be anything. But yeah, I I will take the conspiratorial route uh, a lot of the time because you know I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. It's a lot more fun that way too. Yeah, it is more fun. Yeah, we like to have fun. Yeah, we're fun guys. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very important. Uh, good for your health. Uh, let's hit these other boostograms that came in. We had NetNet with, uh, NetNed, excuse me, with uh, one, net. one, two, three, four, using Fountain. He said, Count Boostala. Blah, I want to boost your stats. Blah. One boost. Ah, ah, ah. Two boost. Ah, ah, ah. Three nipple. Ah, ah, ah. One boob. <laughs> 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 
Uh, and then uh, Servo using Boost Clit. Oh my God, Boost C Lit. Give me a break. We all C-lit. know <laughs> Boost Clit. We all. That's a podcasting 2.0 reference. If uh, Mike, do you listen to podcasting 2.0 or have you caught it? I, I don't even know what you mean. Like I thought 2.0 was a technology. How very much I've loved you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Servo. Well, it was Boost CLI, and then on our show, you know, I just made the the observation that it spells out Boost Clit, and uh, that's that's it. It was very innocent. Yeah, see, I know, right, Gimp? It's very innocent. I don't know why people thought that I was saying the C word. I was just saying Boost Clit. That was it. So what the what Boost Clit is is when you set up your uh, Raspberry Pi as your Bitcoin node. Mm-hmm. Uh, C Dubs, who hangs out in the uh, IRC chat rooms, he went and coded uh, a script. I think I think it's a script. I'm not really sure, um, but essentially, it allows you to move funds from your node to other nodes uh, in the form of these boostergrams. So it's basically doing the same thing that the podcast apps are are doing but it removes all of the middle people all of these apps so it's just you and your node sending satoshis or micropayments of bitcoin to other podcasts or you know for goods and services if you're purchasing a product yep 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 i Uh, like it 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 just seems like the the barrier for entry is a a little bit more difficult uh, for your average uh listener it's uh it is. It's definitely been a learning process, yeah, but sure. I will say, you know, with 2020 starting out, not knowing what an RSS feed is to every week when we post the show, I do almost everything by hand at this point, or, you know, at like a hand hacked feed. Um, I'm not using any of, uh, really, I just copy and paste all of the, uh, the tags in and, put the relevant information in right yeah that's right camp <laughs> uh, let's let's keep going with the boost booby yeah see brooklyn one one two 33 sets said, or excuse me 33 33 sets said gimp boost uh servo with the freaks plus plus 306 sets that's one of the audio alex jones boost there 1476 from pfeiffer through fountain uh, two twenty eight seventy four from Servo, and uh, twenty eight seventy four from Pfeiffer. So they're all playing with the uh, IRC cacophony, which is all of the different boostergram sen- sounds that we're hearing. Yeah, they they really like Jim Jones. Jim Jones is the star today. And Beauty. I don't think. Oh, uh, NA Millennial sent in six forty eight, saying vodka and goat's blood. Any millennial likes to get down. He's a freak. <laughs> yeah, he does. We had a, a boostergram sound a couple of weeks ago where it was a a goat being sacrificed. My, one of my favorite, probably my favorite. And uh, you know, one of these days we'll just get some real goats. But until then, goat boost, goat boost. And uh, we haven't had any scream mails come in six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. Still got plenty of time to call in and leave a yes, message. Indeed. Yes, indeed. 612-263-7999. Give us a call. 
Won't hurt. Won't cost you anything. We don't screen anything. Say what you want. It's fine. And Mike, to answer one of your questions, uh, podcasting 2.0 is the protocol, but there is a companion podcast that Adam Curry runs with one of the um, head developers of the podcast index, which is how I I don't listen to it. Then You should check it out. Uh, I, I know I've dropped a couple of clips from the show. Uh, when they're discussing the IPFS stuff, um, I um so yeah I when it comes to like the the newest in the technology when it comes to podcasting 2.0 I am not up on it I have been working on IPFS stuff with Cameron from IPFSpodcasting.com and uh, so I've been working with him uh, a little bit he's been helping me out technically and I've been consulting with him about how uh, to install this stuff in an easy way for people who don't know what they're doing. So if we want people to buy in to IPFS for supporting podcasts, we got to make it as easy as possible because uh, what I had to do for my uh, my Linux box is uh, it's not impossible for people to do, but it's not the easiest unless you're pretty comfortable with uh, some terminal editors. So, uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to make it easy for people. Mm. Also helps to have a, a crew of individuals around who seem to be all into it. It takes a village sometimes. It does. And uh, so, obviously, with with what you guys are doing, and uh, you, you seem to be more dialed into the podcast in 2.0, making these nice bells and whist- whistles, audience interaction, if you will, Um where I haven't focused on that, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around making it user-friendly for people with IPFS and, and even telling people what that is. Like, people are like, okay, well, what do I do with it? That's the, that's the, the hurdle. And uh, that's the selling point. And uh, to get people to use it um, is a, another difficult thing to do. So it's basically just another way to serve up shows, another way for people to listen. And uh, so we got to position it that way. Yeah, I think for us, it's it's just as fun for us as it is for anybody who listens to the show to to be able to have these bells and whistles and and, and do all that. It's t- to me, it's it's just it's seductive. There's something about it. It's 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 just it's cool. It's new. It's interesting, and we get to make funny sounds. I agree. Yeah, I think line, what really. you guys are doing is is pretty cutting edge stuff. Uh, you guys are. Doing some pretty interesting things, tying tying these these different technologies together, um, and doing it outside of YouTube and 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 Twitch. You're, oh, yeah. you're 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 building your own unique infrastructure, and uh, uh, you should be proud of it. And, and I wish I knew more about it. I wish I had more time to figure out what you guys have done because it seems really interesting. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate that. The uh, IRC has been super critical throughout all of this, um, just in the forms of being able to communicate quickly with people that you know know what's going on uh, on the, the tech side of stuff. Being able to brainstorm ideas and like, I think we came up with this the the multiple sounds uh, last week. Maybe it's been closer to a week and a half, but it came together really quickly, all things considered. Um, Off the down, I I haven't hopped on IRC in so long, and I know 
there's a couple people in our Discord that have been mentioning it. And so maybe I'll, I'll hop on it, see see what it's all about, and maybe join you guys over there. It sounds like a, a good alternative to what we got going on on uh, the OBDM side of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh, it's fun. We don't we we don't have to get into it right now, but there it, it would be completely feasible to link an IRC chat and a Discord chat. Um, that's what happens in ours. It all goes through one channel. I know y'all's is set up a little different with the with the Patreon, so I'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. something that's necessarily relevant or not. But which is something that we don't we don't do the Patreon thing. Yeah, either, so we don't know anything about. I heard that. I heard you guys talk about that on your last show when you had your, uh, the wrestler on there. That you guys don't do that. Yeah, it's just we don't have the time to. Cut. Yeah, I, I, hey, listen, <laughs> I understand it's not for everyone, and I don't know how much longer we're going to be on there. I, I don't know. I mean, with how firm and strict they can be at times it could all go away tomorrow i don't know yeah i mean they could deplatform. i mean they're they've been known to do that from time to time right they kind of yeah. get rid of people for having unsavory topics uh correct or material yeah. and i i guess my final thought on this and then we should uh turn the floor over to lavish because i know he's got uh some material prepped but uh as far as the boostagram and the the value streaming stuff is concerned Ooh. Sorry, I forgot the turn. Do not disturb off. <laughs> Bye, caller. <laughs> Sorry, caller. Damn. Damn. Poor caller. He was just trying to... Oh, yeah. Hit that do not disturb. We want people to leave us voicemails. Sure. <laughs> Sorry, caller. You know, I do, I do it out of love. Um, yeah, yeah. But the... Who very once said, I don't know... Before we had the phone calls, the phone lines, he was like, I don't know if I can hang up on people. <laughs> I was like, I know you can. <laughs> I don't like to be rude. Um, but the, the value streaming, it's a completely permissionless setup that exists outside the bounds of Patreon and locals and um, PayPal even. Uh, is it something that's necessarily going to sustain the show as a whole, you know, and all of the server costs or subscription fees, so on and so forth? Probably not, or you know, if it would, it would be many, many, many years from now. But uh, you know, you're you can go as far as to control every step of the way when it comes to supporting shows, and that's uh, that's the one thing that I really dig about this whole process is that it's permissionless. Um, mm-hmm. There's no there's no ceiling. There's no walls. It's it's open, open air. You only answer to what you have the time to do, basically. Yeah, <laughs> that's your only ceiling. That's uh, funny. Um, yep. So yeah. Uh, now, lavish. What do you got? Well, uh, I was uh, kind of fascinated with this uh, this Brittany Griner situation, which you guys maybe have heard of the the WNBA star who's locked up in Russia right now. You know about her? I've heard some stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This gal, I was so we. This kind of a peripheral story, and it, unfortunately, it's kind of been edged to the to the side of like supplemental Ukraine, Russia, whatever. It's gotten tied up with all that. There's theories that they're detaining her uh, for leverage or for you know to make a point or to whatever they're trying to do. Russia's trying to 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 big boss us, uh, and I kind of started looking into this. Because it fascinated me, and it actually 
led me down a bit of a rabbit hole as to why she was over there and why the WNBA and Russia seemed to have such a cozy relationship. Um, and uh, in my opinion, just to preface and just as a thesis, I think there's some money laundering going on. Uh, the idea is that the WNBA, which famously here in the United States, if you're a basketball fan, you know, all they do is complain that they don't get paid as much as the NBA. Uh, they, they, they get paid, you know, significantly less than, than your star NBA players do. And the idea is that Russia and, uh, and China and a certain, some other countries around there. Ooh, <laughs> calm down, Gimp. Uh, they, uh, they get paid far more. If the, if these female players fly over there and they play in, in their winter league, they get paid, uh, Significantly, with the the veterans and the people who play there for like about six years or so, they're getting paid you know a million dollars, a million and a half dollars, whereas the cap here in the United States is like a hundred to two hundred thousand for the highest paid players, and then the rookies will make about forty grand, so and they work their way up. Um, so, who is Brittany Griner? Brittany Griner, the lady who's being uh, imprisoned there, she is uh, arguably the the best active female basketball player living. She's 31 years old, two-time Olympic gold medalist at 2016 and 2020. She led her college, Baylor, into an undefeated season in the 2011-2012 season, uh, led them undefeated and uh, won championship. She was the number one overall draft pick when she was drafted, and she's a star of the Phoenix Mercury, uh, who who are one of the best teams in the WNBA. She's a seven-time All-Star and she is the star of this Russian's team called UMMC Ekaterinburg. And she's been playing there for about six, seven years. Uh, why are the WNBA players uh, in Russia? Well, they're, they're, they're there for money. If you could please play my clip. But this isn't uh, Brittany Griner. This is Simone Augustus talking about playing over there from a Vice article. If you can play WNBA 1, Simone Augustus. I play at Dynamo Course in Russia. It's about eight hours away from Moscow. And this is just a small, like, rural town, uh, but they're really into basketball, women's basketball. I didn't become aware of it until, like, my junior, senior year in college, and I started to realize that the WNBA doesn't make as much money as people assume or as much as we assume. I didn't know coming in as a rookie, it was only going to make $40,000. Once we hired an agent, it was like, well, where do you want to play overseas? I'm like, overseas? It's not a lot of options that pay big money. And Russia is that one country that consistently pays big money when no one wants to go. Like, it's not a pretty place with a beach and, you know, palm trees everywhere. The weather's cold. The people are cold. You know, you kind of got to get adjusted to it. So some people prefer to go to other places like Turkey that are a little bit more Americanized and a little bit more friendly. My mindset was, I'm going to get the money first, and then later in my career, I can decide to go to nicer places with warmer climates and enjoy myself then. Yeah, this is what, my eighth season in Russia, you kind of get accustomed to, like, being here. Every away game, you leave out that night, get on the train, get off the train the next morning at, like, 5, bus to the airport to catch a flight. It could be in another part of Russia or another part of Europe or somewhere like that, so. Of course, you have to really work for your money. <laughs> you gotta work it. You gotta work for that money. Uh... 
so a few things. The there are currently about seventy American female athletes that participate in this Russian Winter League. She also talked about China. That was a whole other bag. I kind of just wanted to focus on Russia for this. Uh, they get over there, and as you said, they get paid about four or five times more. So Brittany Griner specifically reportedly made in the WNBA in, in the United States, she made $221,000 for the 2021-2022 season, playing for Phoenix. That ain't bad. That's some good money. It's not. I know, right? I mean, they say, you know, you don't get paid all this money, but $221,000 for anybody is a ton of money to That's make nice. in one year. It's anybody, any normal person could live a very comfortable life. $220,000 a year. But I, apparently it's just not enough. It's just not enough. And they. <laughs> it never is. <laughs> it's never enough. So what do you have? Well, over here in Russia, you have these women's leagues that are played in these tiny little towns. A lot of them are, you know, 100 to 200 miles out of Moscow, out in the middle of nowhere. And these teams are owned a lot of the times by. Uh, what we here in the United States call oligarchs, but what who I just call wealthy businessmen, is you could easily label any of the power players here in the United States oligarchs, but we don't because people like to think that we're so different. But uh, these there's wealthy companies and businessmen that own these teams and that pay the hell out of these these ladies. Uh, one of them, for example, is XKGB spy. And uh, and super wealthy guy Shabtai Kal Kalmanovich. Ooh, I'm going to butcher these Russian names. And uh, Sue Bird, who is the wife of American superstar Megan Rapinoe. If you remember her, she she's a very vocal figure about uh, women's pay and all that. But Sue Bird is her wife. She's a WNBA player, one of the probably top twenty players in the league. And uh, when asked about this guy, this ex KGB spy. Who recruited her for Spartak Moscow? She replied, "I'm a millionaire because of it." Hmm. Every single guy that I found pertaining to this seems to have connections with with the Russian government, one way or another. Uh, <laughs> Greiner is on a team that's owned by a a metals billionaire. They call him the Copper King of Russia, and she's not even the highest paid person on that team. Diana Tarasi, who's, uh, I think, two or three years veteran over her, she was allegedly paid $1.5 million in 2015 to rest. She didn't just even to, play. Just to chill out? Just to chill. Just to wow. be on the team, be on the bench. They paid her a million and a half dollars, which... I want that gig. Yeah. It's a good... I know, right? We should probably call these guys. Um, <laughs> I can sit there. I can be a basketball player and sit there. <laughs> I can do oh that. My God. <laughs> hey, and and I'm not, you know, I don't bring this up to put down female players because these women are world class athletes and they do train really hard and they work yeah, really they're good. hard. They're great, and and it's not easy being a professional athlete, especially at that level. So why do WNBA players make less than male players? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is that the WNBA season is much shorter. Uh, there are 36 games in a regular season compared to 82 in the regular NBA. And that's not including the postseason. 
whoever is the champion of, 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 of the NBA will have to play anywhere between 16 and 32 more games on top of the 82 uh, for the, for the postseason. So, you know, you're playing well over a hundred games, whereas uh, the WNBA is, is about, you know, 36 to 50 games. So less than half really uh, of the games that are played. Also, the brands have considerably different earning power. The NBA, according to uh, NBA commissioner, Adam Silver is projected to make $10 billion in revenue this year alone. Whereas the WNBA is projected to make 60 million with an M versus 10 billion. As a matter of fact, and I have all of this uh, reference in the show notes, uh, Adam Silver goes on to say that the WNBA has, on record, lost $10 million a year, on average, since it has existed. Every year that it has existed, it has lost money. Um, so, in, uh, in accordance with sort of like comparing these, these salaries, I think I kind of looked at it at a perspective of attendance, Right. The most basic thing is most people, uh, there aren't as many people that watch WNBA as that watch NBA. So I looked at the attendance uh, numbers. The WNBA attendance was about a, uh, 1.5 million uh, people that, that watched uh, in 2016-2017. Can I ask uh, you something real quick? Is that attendance live in person or attendance eyes on the game so you're watching it on TV. Uh, I think it's it's uh, physical attendance. Okay, ticket sales and whatnot. Ticket sales, and this is across a whole season, every team, every game. The WNBA sold uh, a million and a half tickets in 2016-2017. Uh, in comparison, the G League of the NBA, which is the, the highest level of basketball that you can play without being in the WNBA, it's the feeder system or the NBA for the majors, if you want to call it that, they had in the 2017-2018 season 1.6 million people who attended the games. So the G League had just 100,000 more people um, show up as opposed to the WNBA. But the G League salaries are capped at $35,000 a year. So no matter how great you are, if you're in the G League, you can't make more than 35k a year. Whereas in the WNBA, the cap is I think like 150,000, 200,000. The Stars will make 200,000. Griner made 220,000. So if you compare it like that with attendance, then the women are actually paid much better uh, than their male counterparts in that same sort of uh, same sort of row. But as you said earlier. Uh, it's not enough. And these guys uh, need to go over. I mean, there's an opportunity at hand. And like what um, what uh, Simone Augustus said, when you get drafted into the WNBA, your agent tells you, hey, you should go overseas and play in Russia because you'll get, you'll get paid better there. And that's kind of what the guys in the NBA do as well. I mean, a lot of the superstars in, in basketball right now are um, – from Eastern Europe, like uh, Jokic and uh, and uh, all these guys that you know, this guy on the Mavs, I forget his name, Doncic, all the itches, a uh, bunch of guys that, with the last name ending in itch. Uh, a similar situation for them. They played, you know, in Serbia or they played 
in Eastern Europe somewhere. They played for Spain. They played all over Europe. And then they moved to America to make the big bucks. And that's kind of just what they do. Uh, the ladies are doing that in reverse. <laughs> um, so I've got a little dossier right here on the owner of Brittany Griner's team, who uh, is, I said, the Copper King of Russia. And the, a lot of the, the clips I'm going to play now, I mean, they have bad accents because I'm getting all this information from kind of Russian sources that, that translate over. But uh, it's all in English. It's not in Russian. If you could play WNBA2, UMMC owner. Iskander Makhmutov. First, he's one of the richest Russian Muslim self-made billionaire. Second, he's the copper king of Russia. Let us meet Iskander Makhmutov. He was born in Bukhara, Uzbekistan in 1963. He majored in Oriental Studies at Tashkent State University. And as a result, he speaks fluent Arabic. From 1984 to 1988, he worked as an interpreter for a group of Soviet military advisors in Libya and Iraq. Now to turning point, the sudden and dramatic collapse of Soviet communism in the 1990s. This is how he made his first fortune. After the collapse of the Soviet Union, he partnered with two pairs of Jewish brothers, Mikhail and Lev Chernev, and David and Simon Rubens, and created a metal trading company named Transworld Group. This is Mikhail Chernoy, one of the most famous Russian oligarchs. At one time, 80% of Russian aluminium production was in his hands. Since 1994, he's lived in Israel, from where he runs his businesses. Mikhail Chernoy was one of the first to realize how the times were changing. Two years, the Rubin brothers were kicked out of Russia and Kazakhstan. In 1997, the Kazakhstan government put a fine of $250 million on Transworld Metal. The Rubin brothers refused to pay the fine and they were forced out. In 2018, 40% of his immense fortune is in copper mines. Neural Mining and Metallurgical Company unites industrial facilities to create a complete production cycle. This copper is sold under the brand names UMMC and UMMC2, registered at the London Metal Exchange. Being incorporated in UMMC Holding Corporation in the year of 2006, Kuzbaz Razrez Ugl is the major coal mining company in the Kemerovskaya Oblast and in Russia. The company produces annually over 45 million tons of coal, over half of which is exported. One of the greatest philanthropists in Russia, he donated more than $1 billion to charity. He donated to hospitals and health care. He also donated the ice hockey ring to the 2014 Winter Olympic in Sochi. In 2018, Iskandar Makhmudov is listed in Forbes magazine as having a net worth of $6.9 billion. 69. <laughs> God, I need to get to money. the government so I can start making the money. That's where you make the money. That's where you make the money. <laughs> that's how you make the money. There, that's yeah. how you make the money. That is how you, how you make, the, make money. the money. That's where you make the money. How right you are. <laughs> Yeah, so the, he mentioned thank a couple you. of his. Thank you. He mentioned a couple of his partners, Mikhail and Lev Shirney, who uh, are uh, they run their metal companies from, like I said, from Israel. 
They also run a global spook conference every year in Washington, D.C. called the Intelligence Summit, where they invite uh, spooks from all over. They should just and call it the spook conference. The spook, I know. If yeah, I, yeah, I would do that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's on brand. Yeah. Everybody knows what it is. Yeah. Um, Black tie only. <laughs> <laughs> what would be funnier is if nobody showed up. And it's just like you you have it like you got the staff there, they're all masked, they're handing out cocktails to nobody, you know. A real spook conference. Um they also have uh, David and Simon Rubin, who as uh, the clip said they were kicked out of Russia and Kazakhstan for failing to pay uh, some fine uh, because they were cutting corners. And they moved to the UK, where Forbes reports them as the second richest family in the UK. <laughs> mm. Yeah, Gimp loves that. Uh, they own half of Olympic Village, uh, among other things. So these are some very wealthy guys. Uh, yeah. Um, and this medals come. I'm sorry, did you guys have something to say? Anything to add in? I just wonder if this means that the U.S. federal government can go in and start seizing the WNBA since Russian oligarchs got their fucking fingers in the pot. Well, they, they've got their own thing going on. So the ladies can go over there and, you know, who knows how high up it goes. But it's their own system. And uh, this guy that I mentioned and, and the other guy, the ex-KGB owner, who I'm going to bring up in a second, they... They're the major philanthropists, they're the major billionaires, and everybody knows that at the highest level, philanthropy really is a money laundering operation. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's tax evasion. Uh, These guys utilize offshore tax havens like no one's business. So these guys are already well known as as, people who participate in this sort of thing. But there's this one guy, this ex-KGB guy, um... He, I, I get the sense looking at this guy that he genuinely loves women's basketball. And this is where I start to get a little speculative. Um, now, this guy uh, was a Shabutai Kalmanovich. He, uh, ex-KGB resident uh, of Israel, and he owns three different Russian women's teams, including the championship team Spartak Moscow. Uh, there's a couple articles that I have in the show notes about people going over Kate Fagan of ESPN went and visited, uh, Griner and, uh, and Brittany Griner and her teammates in Russia. And they observed near empty arenas, cheap tickets, or them actually just giving tickets away. And an apparent lack of any significant culture anywhere around watching women's basketball, except for this one guy. Who I guess just loves it. Uh, if you could play WNBA three, ex-KGB guy. Back to a story of how a Russian basketball team has continued to go from strength to strength despite the murder of its flamboyant owner. Shabtai Komanovich was gunned down two years ago, but his legacy is still being felt at Spartak and K, who are preparing for the last group match in the EuroLeague on Wednesday. It is a club with a fascinating history. With more, here's Konstantin Potapov. What have Vladimir Putin, James Bond, and the late Shabtai Kalmanovich got in common? They were all spies. Born in Lithuania in 1947, Kalmanovich emigrated to Israel before being unmasked as a spy in 1987 and sent to jail. 
But five years later, the multinational citizen and speaker of nine languages was released and arrived in Moscow, where he became a concert promoter, organizing shows for Michael Jackson and Liza Minnelli. Dark corners and shady surroundings may have been Kalmanoi's stock in trade during his time as a spy. But this was where his real passion lay. The former KGB man sponsored different clubs, including Lithuanian Euroleague champions Zalgiris. However, he truly established his hardwood empire with Moscow region side Spartak, before leading the Russian women's team to European silver. So, a life less ordinary, which ended tragically. In 2009, the basketball lover and entrepreneur was murdered as a hail of bullets hit his car in central Moscow. He died at the scene. His killers were never found. But the legacy of Kalmanovich lives on. For us, uh, he was like a, a friend, a father, uh, a mentor. There was always a family atmosphere. Even though we were a professional team, we always felt close, not just to the players, but to all the people in the organization. Spartak quickly established themselves as a basketball dynasty, winning all available silverware in Russia and Europe over the past five years, setting a record with four straight Euroleague titles and devoting their 2010 triumph to Kalmanovich. His wife and former player Anna Arhipova carries on his legacy. She's now president of the club, which plays under the name Sparta and K. It changed its name for copyright reasons, but kept the last letter K in memory of their former owner. One of the most influential uh, figures in women's basketball. Um, he really kind of set the standard um, for the rest of the world to follow in the way he treated the girls, the way he interacted. Had he not come along and fell in love with women's basketball, we'd probably be, wouldn't be standing here. So I'm going to just read a quick excerpt from a Los Angeles Times article uh, talking about this guy. Starts off, he can't keep his backside on the bench, not when the clock is running and one of his stars is dribbling down the, the lane. He bounds to his feet, frizzy mullet springing crazily around his eyes, locked. Uh, at the start of the quarter, he sends him onto the court with a ritual linging embrace and a pat on the lower back. Ding, ding. Like so many of the rich, powerful, and shadowy men living large in today's Russia, Shabtai is a man with a colorful, sometimes mysterious past. So... Bear with me. This is my weird thing that I think. This guy single-handedly brought women's basketball to Russia as, as, and sold it to his superiors as a laundering operation because he genuinely wanted women's basketball around. He probably pitched it to them. He was like, hey, we bring these guys over, or these gals over, and uh, you, know, you pay them as much as you want, whatever. No one asks questions. And all of this money that you're trying to, you know, hide from the tax man or explain away, you can just say, oh, I, it's, I put it all into the women's basketball. So we want to win, whatever. It's women's basketball. Of course it loses money. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's what he's probably saying. I mean, I, I don't know how a money laundering operation really works, but you, I think you want it to lose money a little bit. So you, it looks like you're, you're pouring money into something, and it is losing money. And yeah, so you have all these expenses. expense. You go, well, why, why did you spend a billion? What happened to this billion dollars? Oh, well, I used it to house all these women and to, for the facilities and to pay the staff and do all that. But you didn't actually do that. You, you spent, you know, maybe 50 million, 100 million to do that. But you say you spent a billion. And on paper, it, it looks like you spent a billion. So you don't have to explain that. That becomes dark money. 
And um, that's that's how philanthropic organizations really work. I mean, you you put a, you put money into it, and you say, "See, I, I don't have the money. I gave it away. See, it's on paper." But really, you got it. Art is the same way. He really, or he just really loves women's basketball. I think it's both. With him specifically, I think he went up to, the, to his bosses and he said, "We should do this," and they went, oh, "Okay, if you want." But now that now everybody's kind of invested in it, or at least a certain group of powerful Russian men are. Um, so this is this has become its own sort of mini culture that I think this guy is is to thank or blame for. Does that mean we need to boycott women's basketball? I got confused. Yeah, I'm not clear on the I'm not clear on direction here. <laughs> oh, I think we need to watch it all the time now. I think I think you gotta pay fine attention to it. Oh, yeah, the yeah. games would be rigged at that point. Like, well, they already are, in my opinion. I think sure. that, I think sports are, are at least a little rigged. Um, and that's evidence, especially through the NBA, through through guys that have gotten in trouble, um, refs that have gotten in trouble. But uh, anyway, uh, as far as like substantial evidence, there is one guy who used to write for ESPN. His name is Henry Abbott. And he has a digital media company called True Hoop, which he, I think, runs really through Substack. But he asked a veteran of the game, quote, I asked a veteran of the game about it, and she laughed and asked if I really didn't know. <laughs> Did they get better sponsors? Did they sell more tickets, I wondered? She felt sorry for me for being so dumb. Then she said, <laughs> it's money laundering. <laughs> Let me just say it out loud. It's money laundering. No one likes us. <laughs> Oh, he likes this. He laughed. Whatever. They're getting paid. They don't care. Yeah, at that point, you still get to play basketball. You get to make the money that uh, you think you deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, where's the harm besides all the illegal activity? In getting murdered. In that, too. That's you know, that's a, that's a negative, I suppose. That's a, It's a downside, but it's the owners that get murdered and not the players themselves, Yeah, at least as far as I know. And, and until now... Nobody really got in trouble for anything until this Brittany Griner lady uh, tried to fly into Moscow with oil vape juice. Uh, you know, with weed with weed vape stuff. <gasps> That's right. Oh my weed goodness! Is, I know the devil's lettuce. The oh, Russians the, hate the that devil's stuff. juice. The devil <laughs> juice. Oh devil my. oil. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. You get you guys vape? Hmm. You guys vape? Uh, I vape flour, sir. I don't okay. do the juice. I've I've had an on again, off again uh, relation with the e-cigarettes. You know, I I I tried to get into them, and I'd buy a little, you know, if I can rig and whatnot. But with just how uh, how much I would load in and stuff, I'd break them, lose them, uh, misplaced parts. It just kind of became a hassle to keep up with. I smoke yeah. all the time. I, I oh, used to vape every day, all day, especially when I was working in an office in IT, because you could smoke that shit inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you weren't allowed mm-hmm. to, but I did keep it on the DL, and I was smoking more with the vape than I was when I was smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it kind of like you, ideally, you move to the vape so you don't smoke as much cigarettes because it's bad for you. But I I became smoke. I I, I was smoking more, so I was doing it wrong. And then I started to right. notice that my chest started to hurt a lot more. And I, I, I think it was actually causing more lung damage to me. And so I had to stop. 
That's how I felt. I, I tried to switch to the vape juice, not for nicotine, but for uh, THC. And and I had a similar reaction. In three months, I did more damage to my lungs than a year of smoking. I think I still have damage from it at this point. Yeah. Well, I blame these solvents and all this shit that they put in. I mean, it's yeah. it doesn't react well inside of you. Um, but for well, you know, for she's a in jail, then. it's level. very it's very bad stuff. She should it's be in jail. Terrible. Yeah, she's been in jail for half a year now, and. Uh, I, if maybe they're holding her because of the whole Ukraine situation, I don't know. I'm not going to really make a claim on that, but could be, possibly, could be, could be just a, a pure political play. I mean, yeah, purely that, or maybe it's connected to the everything you mentioned—money laundering—and there's 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 more players. Or maybe it was that dick. That was at your concert that checked your vax card. Maybe that guy then worked in at a Moscow airport. I wouldn't put it past like, him. You he know, gets around. That guy, <laughs> that guy's a dick. And he's Let me go like, be a dick oh. in this country now. <laughs> <laughs> this country doesn't have enough dick going on. I'm going to go to Russia, capital of dicks. I'm going to be, yeah, not to put it against Russia. Sorry, Russians. Lavish it behind the schemes.com. I'm sure you Send guys probably have a few there. Russian listeners. We do. And uh, they're silent, and I, you can't blame them for their their government. Obviously, I don't want people mm-hmm. blaming anything on me for our horrible government. No, yeah, our government sucks too, and Big it does time. almost everything that the Russian government does, basically. Yeah, uh, but yeah, those Russians they are silent, but they are deadly. So you don't want to mess with them. Um, yeah, uh, and then like I said, China, China's got. A whole other thing going on too, and I, you know, I don't want to go down that because it's a whole other branch. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I figured, why not? I keep hearing about this, and yeah, it's all it's all bullshit. It's all it's just more money laundering and more games for the elitists to play at the expense of the common person. I guess I mean she's technically normal compared to these guys. Yeah. To them, $200,000 a year is like, wipe my ass money. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we need to insulate the walls. Go get the stacks of cash. There's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> There's always money in the pyramid scheme. There Ooh. we go. That's a good one. Have they opened up the granite blocks at the pyramids? Have they checked if there's money in there? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> do uh y'all want to hit these we got two uh voicemails that came in we can hit these and then uh get the hay out of here sure let's do it does that work for everybody oh yeah i really gotta go watch some star trek oh fuck yeah oh very important very important <laughs> mike! hey it's mike uh mike Roch. um anyway yeah i was calling to to say thank you wow i have to re-listen to that uh first half first half of the second half of show uh taking notes on all those uh great fucking bands uh, i used to see a lot of a lot of hell of a lot of shows you know i'm an older guy jamming and sometimes in the pit with the shirt off going the wrong fucking direction hell yeah anyway um <clears throat> yeah uh well yeah they tore down the fucking and got rid of the masquerade oh that's uh atlanta don't don't tell nick the rat he thinks i'm stalking him like 
from Utah or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, great, great show. I really appreciate all the uh, all the band talk and show talk, etc. Um, adios, mofos. <laughs> thank you, Doctor. Yes, thank you, Special Agent Doctor Sir Mike Crotch. That's your niche, man. Talking about inside baseball at music venues. It's uh, I don't get to do it as often, but uh, when we do, you know, I like to try and do um, you know, just reports of different shows, and I'm trying to find a a recorder, a field recorder, so I can do like proper interviews. And uh, I've been trying to include more music things in my show because I love talking about music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've been trying to bring up more stories, and I forgot to get to some stories uh, last show uh, about Pantera reuniting. Oh, and it's, I, it's, I saw. It's not really about like I, I don't know how how many people of my audience care about uh, like the that music stuff, but I like it. And when my co-host was starting his own show, Spanky, every time he would talk about music, like on his podcast channel, he always got better numbers. And I was like, Spanky, you're a music musician. You you write amazing songs. People want to hear you talk about music. So that's your niche, dude. Do it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and like, same with you, Booberry. You like obviously know a lot about it. Don't hesitate. Like, dive into it. Like, I I love talking about the stuff, and I love listening to people talk about music too. Hmm, it's very very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, and I know Lavish and I. That's how we connected. Was on a. Uh, all the Laurel Canyon stuff that was going on in the 60s and 70s out in California. Oh, dude, yeah. I, could, I could have like some sound guys call in and give you some horror stories about dealing with bands. And uh, I don't know, I it'd be a great segment. Like, and I think it'd be a great niche. You like, you just put that out there as like a clip um, that would get more people listening to you too. Very interesting. Well, the <clears throat> circle back on that. Keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> it, we did have a follow up from a uh, special agent, Doctor Sir Mike Crotch. Let's see what he's got to say. Hey, hey. Well, um, this is my second call. Uh, not not really normal. I guess you could call a follow up. But uh, all this Russian talk. Have you guys never watched? Russian women twerking on YouTube? Come on! Uh, no, no, never. Really like the black Russians as well. Anyway, <laughs> adios. <laughs> Is that medical advice, Doctor? <laughs> that sounds like medical advice. Oh, boy. I'm going to make a, uh, a YouTube playlist of naked yoga and uh, Russian women twerking. All right. That's a good idea. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, we had one last uh, shorty s- squeeze on in. Oh, shorty squeeze on in. <laughs> An actual scream on our scream mail. Thank you, Colin. Wow. Yeah. We have a nice little uh, collection of screams going. It's, it's a very interesting catalog of sound. People just getting on the phone and screaming, screaming their minds out. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see what the phone will and will not pick up when someone screams. Just blows out the mic on it. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty fun. Yeah. It almost <laughs> sounds like someone in a, a car going by. 
Like it had some kind of like yeah. uh, movement movement to it. You know? Oh, a Doppler yeah. effect? Is that what they call it? Yeah, Doppler effect. Good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A Doppler ganger. Yes. <laughs> uh I I think that uh brings us to a conclusion for tonight. Uh we did have one last boost come in from Servo 654. I need money. Uh so we appreciate that. We appreciate everybody that came out to help produce this episode. We're over at badradio.live every uh, Monday night, except for tomorrow night, because we will, uh, I think we're just going to have maybe something pre-recorded up on the stream to play. Yeah, we're. I think we're going to do a little bit of uh, post, or um, previous intermissions, and also maybe a little material, possibly. But yeah. You guys supposed to do a show tomorrow night, too? Fuck no. <laughs> no, we're not doing a show tomorrow night. Uh-huh. I, there's just not enough hours in the day and turn around and no. try and squeeze that one out too. Um, and then, uh, Mike, you're over at, uh, our big dumb mouth podcast.com. Correct. Our big dumb mouth dot com. Oh, or OBDM pod.com. That's what it was. Uh, You've been going to the wrong website. I've been listening to the wrong show. I've been, yeah. I, I always just for clarification, I always go to BigfootTookMyVirginity.com. That works, too. <laughs> that works. Personal favorite of mine. <laughs> Lucky duck. I uh, can't believe that one wasn't uh, taken years ago. but well, We got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Many uh, times. I think I originally bought that one for uh, Cersor Seat Sitter, but uh, he, he said that uh, it was way, up, way more up y'all's alley. I, I think you should. Given the right time, we should redirect it to uh, Ron DeSantis when he's running for president. There you go. Mm. Might work. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he needs any more money or any more uh, advertisements or PR, but who knows? No doubt. I'm sure CNN will give him all the advertising he needs when the time. I wonder if if anybody got pedopete.com. I, I'll, I'll type it in. I don't want to. I don't want to go there, though. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to get on my Onion browser behind a VPN before I go to pedo.com. Yeah. That's yes. <laughs> want enough lists already? I don't need any more lists. I want. I know my uncle has the .net, but uh, who has the .com? I don't know. <laughs> Might need to stay super safe and wear a mask while you're doing it too. Gross. Mm. I have to have a safety meeting first. <laughs> Oh, okay, man. I went there. I went there. It's uh, it is parked. Wait, oh. no, Doug. Uh, I can get the domain through GoDaddy for seventy <laughs> seventy dollars. Seventy dollars. That's a steal. Do you think I should get it? <laughs> I don't want to advertise OBDM by saying, "Hey, just go to pedopete.com <laughs> to check out my show." No, you no. just buy it and you put a picture of Hunter on there. I guess. That's it. <laughs> Doing coke out of a Ukrainian who is butthole, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you got. Could you, for for your show, like, if we get it, like, pedopete.com, and it's a picture of Hunter Biden, could people, like, click on it and, like, feed him crack, and that gives you donations to your show? Oh, when you there you go. A crack-a-gram? Crack-a-gram. Crack-a-gram. <laughs> a gram crack Yeah. <laughs> Now we're cooking with gas. Oh, lordy. I love it. This is crack cocaine. 
Grandma cracks. Yeah. Uh, that would. Uh, well, actually, you know what? That might uh, that might make a Monday night episode happen. Drinking a quart of vodka a day and smoking crack around the clock. I mean, I, I could do a show on it, but you're not going to want to listen to it. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, Mike, y'all go live twice weekly, uh, once on Wednesday and once on Saturday. Yeah, 7, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday and then 12 noon uh, on Saturday. People can check us out. We, we stream live to Twitch. We're still there. Uh, we're on DLive and Float.app. And... Uh, on on, on uh, Saturdays, we also stream to the No Agenda stream, uh, so where we got the, the Saturday slot there. So, uh, oh. uh, yeah, we're everywhere. You can check us out on every RSS feed, every podcast app. All, all you got to do is search for OBDM, and there's two podcast feeds. You'll see one with uh, uh, a, a, a giant dinosaur with lasers and a wizard, and then the second feed is like a desert scene with a, a dinosaur and a UFO. And they're both mine, but one is uh, more updated frequently. All right, that's OBDM. Oscar, Bravo, Delta, Mike. Midnight Mike, as a matter of fact. Correct. Yeah. But not OBDMM. No. No. <laughs> no. Just one M. And special shout out to Bags and the amazing artwork that he threw down for oh, uh, yeah. for your cover oh, big art. Time. Yeah, that guy, that Bags guy is, is awesome. the man. Yeah, that shit's sick. I'll have to send you. The, he did up a uh, Kiss Destroyer parody for us. That's awesome. Look at it. He's, he's a great music reference right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Now Kiss is going to sue you. I hope so. <laughs> oh. Booberry would love that. Dude, yeah, I want to get fucked by that big demon tongue in his <laughs> army of lawyers. <laughs> he wants to get in Gene's jeans, you know what I mean? I wanna mm. I wanna end up as one of Gene's Polaroids. He fucks me so hard. <laughs> That's right. Maybe get in uh, maybe get Paul Stanley in on the action. <laughs> I've heard nothing but bad stories about Gene Simmons. Yeah. Ooh, maybe uh, maybe Danzig is interested. What do you think, Danzig? You down? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a great drop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> until next time, uh, I'll catch you uh, eight days from now. I've been Booberry Black Knight of the Mothman. And I have been, inevitably, lavish. I love all the savages. I'll blow a goat. Don't judge me. This is crap cocaine. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Wow, what a card. So now you kind of get an idea of who is behind this. Embrace the crazy. And there's nothing I can do about it. I don't like it at all. Just walk away. And everything into the horror. There's girls who work for free. Murder, 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 murder. I'll give you a boner for a Bitcoin. You're going to help, but otherwise it's pretty funny. The revolution will be lit. 
have we learned nothing, my gay brothers? Have we learned nothing? This is Booberry, Mothman, and the Miniocalypse here, and we are at day one of Rockfest in Cadeau, Wisconsin. God, I hope I pronounced that right. And we are here with one of, if I'm not mistaken, the very first bands to kick off this festival. Is this correct? It is correct. We are Paralandra. Paralandra. All right, we got the name of the band. We're going to go around now and get some names and what you're playing with the band. So my name is Cassandra Carson, and I am the singer slash guitar player. I'm Paul Carson. I am the lead guitar player. I am Sawyer Reichard. I play the bass. Bass. And I am Dakota Watson, the drummer, and I sprinkle in some vocals in there, too. Oh, hell yeah, sprinkling it in. Oh, yeah. You're going to get my Jimmy's all stewarded in. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What's uh, Where are y'all coming from and where are you going? Um, Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, we're from Springfield, Missouri, but where was our last show? Detroit. Uh, New Baltimore, yeah. Detroit. Yeah, we came from Detroit. That was our last show. So, uh, yeah, now we're here. <laughs> yeah, Detroit Rock City. Yes, great town, the Motor City. Uh, for anybody that's never been there, I would highly recommend the Motown Museum. It's an awesome experience. Uh, what's one artist or musician that y'all saw? We're going to go around again. What's one artist or musician that y'all saw? And you're like, you know what? That motherfucker right there, he's doing it right. And that's what I got to do. <laughs> These guys are going to hate me. Yngwie Malmsteen. Yeah. George Lynch absolutely yeah, destroys it on stage. Lynch, All the members of Avenged Sevenfold. No hate. Yeah. For me, it's Todd Zuckerman, the drummer for Sticks. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Bro, I love me some motherfucking Sticks. Yes, the party boys from Chicago with the party noise. Nice. Fuck yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, I cannot get enough of six. That band fucking... And they're so tight. They just keep getting better and better. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Um, all right. This one's a super important question. Are y'all ready for this? Yes. What's the cooler guitar design? A flying V or a motherfucking SG? Flying V all the way. Agreed. SG! Yeah! I'm the drummer. I know that's... Take that with a grain of salt. But I say flying V as well. Yeah. yeah. You're wrong! Flying V comes out as champion, rightfully deserved. Absolutely. Uh, all right, y'all are stuck on an island. You can only bring one of two albums with you. Is it Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet or Skid Row's debut album? I'm going to go with Skid Row. I'm going to go with that as well. But you're going with Sevenfold, City of Evil. Fuck yeah! <laughs> yeah, I'll go either Skid Row or uh, Kill Myself Immediately. Okay. <laughs> okay! <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, I'm. I Skid Row, I mean, Bon Jovi, they deserve their place, but Skid Row, just like, especially that those first two albums, I uh, uh, can, cannot get enough. So good. So good. Um, well, thank you all so much. For taking the time I hope y'all had a killer time on stage I, I didn't get to see the very beginning But I came up for the last like A uh, couple of songs It was fucking awesome um, I hope y'all have safe travels What's the relevant links That people can find you at If they want to learn more Well you can find us On Facebook, Instagram uh, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify Apple Music You know all those good places And it's just at 
Paralandra, and it's spelled exactly as it sounds. Paralandra. Yep. So, yeah. I think that's it. Oh, yeah, we got a website, too. Paralandrarocks.com. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts? Yes. 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 All right. Correct.